My googly eye needs some help. <laughs> Not my brain eyes. or spine. My eyeball is completely <laughs> falling off. The world is getting crazier. People are acting more and more insane. The end of the world is tomorrow. 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 There's only one thing to do when the world is falling apart. Listen to Basil and Gonz as they discuss this week's news and events through the lens of Bible prophecy. You are listening to Canary Cry News Talk. You're listening to Canary Cry News Talk. Today is August 28th, 2020. This is episode 236. And today, we have a very special one. It's Elon Musk's Neuralink live stream. And you know me, I'm your best buddy, Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to another episode of a live podcast event. I'm going to call it an event an event yeah. yeah we haven't we haven't done too many events guns but today today's a big day if you don't know you might know by the misspelled title on twitch oh, is it misspelled where, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh great it's okay it says elon musk's nerua link oh no live stream well yes. that's good i'll it's get okay. the actually uh, the algos won't catch us then or it'll be harder for eh. them to catch us <laughs> you know what? Actually, Twitch makes it so easy. You can just fix it live. I'm going to do it right now. All right. Yeah. That um, your eyes twitching, your googly eyes twitching on it. I know it's been flopping around lately. <laughs> I think this one eye is getting ready to give up on us, but you know, that's just, I think it's, it's had enough of this 2020 nonsense. My, my big googly eye is, is trying to escape. Excellent. Um, so, Gonzo, we've got uh, what's the actual timer? What do we it's have? It's going to be like they, yeah, it goes live at three three p.m. Pacific. We have the channel ready to go here. Live stream begins in about thirty four minutes. So we'll do uh, we'll run through a couple stories at the top, and then we'll get into it once the live stream begins. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it, man. I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to do this live with y'all. And yeah. just be commenting well, we'll on it. We'll see what happens. You know, there's always a potential for technical difficulties. We think we have it figured out. We have moved on to phase two also of uh, fixing our uh, technical issues. That has me dropping out of uh, the call every once yeah. in a while. So it's a little bit of an experimentation, um, but we got a half hour. And so, Gons, I think we should... Um, we have a couple stories uh, that we're going to hit just to let everybody know that we see them and we'll talk about them. And also, we got to fill a half hour before the live stream starts. Yep. Um, so hold on a second. Sorry, I don't have my hand here. Uh, let's start out with a flippy update, Gons. Flippy update. Do you want fries with that? That's right. Okay, folks. So the Flippy update. For those who don't know, if this is your first time listening to the show, Flippy is the colloquial name for the disembodied robot arms that are taking our jobs, enslaving our children, and flirting with our spouses. And we use talking about Flippy as a proxy conversation to talk about robotics and AI and how they are uh, worming their ways into our lives to create, ultimately, the dystopian apocalyptic future where Skynet is our sugar daddy. Um, so today, let's see here. We are, sorry, I had a piece of macaroni in my teeth. Um, digitaltrends.com and the headline reads, this tiny robot tank could one day help doctors 
Explore your intestines. Ooh. <laughs> With a bulky, armored appearance, heavy duty treads for gripping, and a claw arm in the front, the Endo Endoculus, uh, the Endoculus robot vehicle looks like it belongs on the battlefield in fact it's just three centimeters wide and 2.3 centimeters tall and designed for an entirety of different inhospitable environment which is your intestines quote this robotic capsule endoscope endoculus is a tethered robot designed for colonoscopy applications oh no mark Rentschler, a mechanical engineer engineering professor in the advanced medical technologies laboratory at the university of colorado told digital trends quote the goals are twofold design a platform for a robot endoscope in the gastrointestinal tract and enable autonomous capabilities to assist physicians with disease diagnosis and treatment during these procedures the idea of a robot tank crawling around your intestines at speed of up to 40 millimeters per second might sound pretty horrific but nothing about a regular colonoscopy sounds particularly pleasant either the benefit is purely in the ability to figure out what's going on in your guts and to take samples where required this is where Endoculus's tool port comes into play, since it can be kitted out with instruments such as forceps and snares to take any tissue samples that are required. According to an article in IEEE Spectrum, it's also equipped with a camera, LED lights for finding its way, and tubes for injecting air and water. It's one of a number of breakthrough medical robots that have emerged over the past several years and could prove incredibly useful for doctors and patients alike below is a demonstration of the robot in action i don't know if you want to play that video there hopefully it's not too disturbing for our younger viewers um oh no it's a very technical video here um the article continues, Rentschler said that so far the team has built the Endoculus platform and, quote, established a number of effective autonomous capabilities using this platform uh, on the bench top with uh, and with animal tissues. They are now figuring out how to work mapping and localization and blah, 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 blah. But there you go, Gons. Long story short, little tiny cute little robot tank can now uh, enter... <laughs> Uh, through the exit and <laughs> crawl around inside your intestines and figure out what's wrong. Uh, this is a next level for these uh, medical robots, man. Yeah, first they flip your burgers, then they clean your colon. It's just uh, <laughs> robot takeover is yeah. real, folks. I, I mean, they make a... Yeah, I know. This brings <laughs> the robot takeover to a whole nother level. Uh, dang it. Hold on, my... My VR has uh, decided that it wants me to reset everything, so I'm going to try to do that as smoothly as possible. Um, but yeah, Gons, luckily I have not gotten to the uh, period of life where I need that kind of checkup, but um, it seems like by the time I'm there, it, the old ways, <laughs> the old ways of colonoscopies or... Uh, you know, I'm sure there's some other exams that they're going to use for that as well. Um, we'll be gone and I just get a nice little robot who can go in there and check things out. Yeah. But it, anyway, I don't want to dwell too much on this. There's already another 
disturbing, a few disturbing stories regarding toiletries in this episode. So <laughs> come on, come on. It's, it's, it's robots, man. This is how they get you. First, they flip your burgers and then uh, they, they go check them out while they're in process yep. of, uh, of digesting. Taking care of, you know, humans are just a tube inside a tube. If you really think about it. Wow. Whoa, bro. We're a Taurus. <laughs> we just, are. That's what my science yeah. teacher told me or in high school. Or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anything else to say on this uh, gadgetry? No, I think it speaks for itself, Gonzo. <laughs> Wait, is Indoculus? Okay, it's not going to be wired up, is it? That would be very uncomfortable. Yeah, it okay. does. It has a leash. Oh, no. It has a leash. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I kind of would prefer it to have a leash. Oh, like an exit thing? <laughs> but what if you? What if the leash fails or you, you try to pull out and it's uh you know if something if something happens to that leash there is something seriously <laughs> wrong that i need to worry about it's like a, uh, going on in my intestines it's like um stranger things or uh or the the holiest of holies you know you tie a rope around their waist oh, going yeah. there yeah you know? Ooh, wow yeah. what are they saying about the temple of the lord yep there you go oh, putting it gosh. all together Okay, oh, no. moving, moving on here. We got some quick updates that I want to fly through. We interrupt this broadcast to give you a brief update. By the end of this timely interruption, you will be thoroughly updated. It's got to be biblical. First one here is just an announcement. Uh, seven pre-trib problems and the pre-wrath rapture documentary. This was made by Chris White. Uh, it's officially out now, so you guys can check it out. Uh, the website is seven, the number seven, pretribproblems.com I'll drop it in the links or uh, the the chat and the link will be in the description of the show canarycrynewstalk.com uh, got through about halfway it's pretty good it's uh, again anybody who's a pre-trib rapture guy out there uh, do your due diligence and see what uh, test your views on some of these arguments made by these scholars and authors and stuff in this documentary so just wanted to make that announcement because I know Chris White's been working on that for a while. Uh, yeah, we get a lot of questions about that guy. Yeah. And we only know so much, but uh, it's been, what is it? His, it's kind of his first piece of work in a while besides the, is it the mark of the beast uh, decision tree? Right. The decision tree. Well, he's still publishing podcast episodes, but. Uh, ah, got it. But yeah, this is. Um, this is a good documentary so far anyway that I've seen, and it's very straightforward. It's uh, you got to have your Bibles out because you got to check all the passages and do your own due diligence, be a good Berean, but thought I'd let you all know because it's a long time coming. Uh, <laughs> I feel bad that the, the announcement of seven pre-trib problems is sandwiched between a couple, a couple different uh, stories regarding, uh, you know, just the human body. COVID. You know, we called it on some of these issues here with toilets and stuff. New York Post. Do. I know. <laughs> NewYorkPost.com. COVID-19 can waft through toilets into other apartments. Study finds. Oh, no. You okay? Sorry. My chair. I can't tell I if per- it was. I pulled the wrong lever on my chair. I can't. Continue. I'll figure this out. <laughs> can't tell if you're disturbed about the story or if uh, your own. Oh, you're like. <laughs> Wow, you're okay. Okay, Ugh, I don't know. Sorry, I, I don't want to know what's going on over there. Okay, I'm trying to lift my chair. Sure, sure. You're, I'm so tiny. There we go. Okay, I'm back. Are you sure you're not just like a test 
for the in 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 what was it called? Tell me about the toilet cons. All right. And you thought snakes in a toilet was a nightmare? Scientists now say the coronavirus may be able to spread throughout buildings via toilets and drain pipes, an especially alarming prospect for apartment dwellers with suspect plumbing. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not going to get into it, but remember we had that story a few weeks ago of the Israeli company that's going to go through the sewage. Yeah. The sewer surveillance for COVID-19. Yeah. I think this is like the uh, precursor to unleashing that technology on some of these locations. Dude, you know, it's like the this problem. is ridiculous. How does the physics of that even work? I don't know. You have a, read the article. Tell me, what do they have to say? Uh, China suggested virus particles potentially wafted from the infected family down the pipes into the vacant apartment, according to researchers at the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention. There you go. It's, no, it's the Chinese CDC. I don't buy it. Yeah. I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't buy it either. But this is a, you know, of course. Be afraid. Be very be afraid. afraid. Now we got to be afraid of our own toilets. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You know, there's some people out there who will I'm very curious to know what drastic measures they will take in order to not have COVID come at them through the toilet. Bag them up. Back Bag him up. him up and Go out to release. The backyard. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. I mean, that's just it. I don't. I don't really need to. We don't need to go on with this. These are quick updates. Okay. Here. All right. All right. A couple thirty-three updates. Thirty-three is the number of completion of the Great War. Thirty-three, the signal that uh, the elite, elite messaging number. Elite messaging. WKOW.com, 33 hospitalized, 11 more deaths due to COVID-19 in Wisconsin. Mm. Wisconsin, a center of attention here. I want to play this 18-second clip because, interestingly, they don't mention the number 33, but uh, they do mention another number that I know people have always messaged me about seeing, you know, seeing the clock at 11-11. Mm-hmm. So let me play this real Two quick. Two counties in southern Wisconsin have more than 20 new cases of coronavirus. Green and Rock counties all had at least 10 new cases. Across the state, 11 more people died from COVID-19 since this time. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What happened? Uh-oh. Come on. I have no idea. Come on, video. New cases. Across the state, 11 more people died from COVID-19 since this time yesterday, bringing the total deaths to 1,111. 11, Ooh, 11, 11, 11. I wonder if this is like a transition from the 33, you know, we'll start seeing the wow. 11, 11, uh, or, or the, you know, the three X or divided three, uh, yeah. 11. Anyway, just thought it was interesting. That is very interesting. Wow. Okay, yeah. cool. 11, next? 11 more deaths, 11, 11 total. All right, so wow. the other uh, location by which a lot of the attention of the country has been is Minnesota. Of course, we have a 33 update from there. 33 is the number of completion of the Great War. This is, ooh, I don't know how to read that one. Uh, Duluth News Tribune, I think. 33 right. more people with COVID-19 reported across the Northland Thursday. Um, 33 more people have tested positive for COVID-19 across the North, across the Northland on Thursday, the Minnesota department of health reported 31 new cases of COVID-19. Oh, I guess this is not, this is St. Louis. My bad. I thought this was Minnesota. Mm. I was reading it too quickly. All right. Well, anyway, either way, of course, 33 more people. It's always 33. Why not 34? Why not 32? 
Got to report it right at 33. Right at 33. It's the signaling. So yeah. uh, okay. those are your quick updates. And um, Very good. Yeah. Now, now we're just zooming right along here, folks. Actually, we're doing okay. We're doing on time, okay. So that's yeah. that's good. We get, we're going to have enough time to hit all this. Um, so of course we are aware of the Jacob Blake situation, and of course we are also aware of the Kyle Rittenhouse situation. We'll try to give some first uh, comments on the Kyle thing later on in the show. Um, but, you know, uh, again, if you're new to the show, here's the reason why you want to watch. You know, we're not just uh, another show talking about every crazy conspiracy theory that comes across our desk here. What we like to make sure to do is examine the mainstream headlines and the articles uh, in the way that they are written um, because when you actually dig deep and do some analysis, you can see how the uh, propaganda, the legal propaganda and the brainwashing, whatever you want to call it, uh, control mechanism of the mainstream media, uh, how how exactly they go about their business of uh, controlling not just a mainstream narrative, but also the thoughts of people, uh, uh, the population at large. So I'm coming here from amp.indiestar.com. However, I did see this exact headline and uh, more or less the same article show up across the spectrum of mainstream news. Um, so, you know, name a mainstream news uh, place and they all had the same article, but the headline is fact check. Jacob Blake did not. <laughs> and then in quotes, brandish knife, get gun before Kenosha police shooting. So we're talking about the Jacob Blake uh, shooting. We gave our first thoughts about it. Um, last episode, my thoughts have already shifted slightly since then. Um, we'll see if we can if we get into that. Uh, we might save a lot of the deeper conversations for next episode. But this article says uh, this is like a fact checking article, so it's uh, you know it's uh, structured a little little different. But it says claim says Jacob Blake declared he had a gun in the car and was going to go get it and was brandishing a knife as we wait for full wisconsin department of justice report on the jacob blake shooting speculation has run rampant there you go speculation keep that in mind has run rampant online about whether the 29 year old kenosha man was armed and with uh and with what in the moments before a kenosha police officer shot him seven times in the back the lack of detailed information from law enforcement has only added to the speculation. That includes a widely shared August 26 Facebook post that starts out blaring facts matter before asserting this, uh, which is, uh, quote, Jacob Blake declared he had a gun in the car and he was going to go get it. He continued to brandish the knife while disregarding officer commands. When he reached into the car, officers fired. This is why they are burning down Kenosha, Wisconsin right now. Fact or fiction? We'll break down the rumors uh, and send fact checks to your inbox. Oh, that's a little 
<laughs> you got it's caught reading an advertisement they, they for them. They got me. They got me with that advertisement. It was accompanied by a screen grab uh, from an onlookers video of uh, video of Blake, where an object in his hand is circled. Here's what we know: there was no gun. The Facebook post avoids directly claiming a gun, instead of instead attributing statements to Blake about having and getting a gun. We don't know what was said, and we may never know since the responding officers weren't wearing body cameras. Uh, suspicious part of the story. The Kenosha Police Department doesn't use them. Audio in the cell phone video shot by a witness is hard to discern uh, due to bystanders' shouts. So there's no way to prove this part of the claim directly, though no witness reports have emerged since the incident that offered this account. The man who made the Facebook post did not respond to a request for evidence behind the claim. But we know there was no gun. Well, okay. You just said, you just said how there's, we don't know and there's no evidence and we're waiting for a police report. So how would you know there's no gun? But OK, let's continue. On August 26, news release from the Department of Justice said officers found a knife on the driver's side floorboard, but a, quote, search of the vehicle located no additional weapons. OK, there we go. So the that report says no gun now. Knife involvement still ambiguous, and this is where it gets pretty wild. The role of the knife is much less clear. The DOJ has not clarified whether the knife was on the floorboard throughout the confrontation or if Blake may have held it at some point. Spokeswoman uh, Jillian Drummond declined to answer that question when asked by USA Today on August 27th. Video taken by onlookers shows something in Blake's hand, but the resolution is low, so it could be a knife sunglasses or something else the man who said he made the widely shared cell phone video of the shooting 22 year old ration white told the associated press he heard officers yell drop the knife drop the knife as they scuffled with blake before the shooting white said he didn't see a knife in blake's hands the audio captured by white is inconclusive although there is a phrase or two that could be interpreted as drop the knife okay blake's representatives have said he was unarmed his father told the chicago sun times uh, for an august 25th story my son didn't have a weapon he didn't have a gun uh, blake's attorney ben crump said in a statement released august 27th quote jacob did nothing to pr provoke the police well we know that's not true witnesses confirmed that he was not in possession of a knife and didn't threaten officers in any way but another attorney representing the blake family Patrick Salvi Jr. had told CNN the day before that Blake didn't have a weapon in the vehicle, which turned out not to be true. Yeah, I know. The, the, notice how they're taking the statements of the lawyer as, uh, as fact. They're not, they're not, well, they're not straight out saying it's fact, but they're presenting it in a way uh, that, you know, if you're just reading this and you have not a critical eye, you would assume that that is the truth. Uh, what we do know is that referring to Blake as brandishing appears to be an exaggeration. Now, this is where it gets wild because Gons, of course, we've all seen the uh, the, the screen grab, the, the clips. Uh, sorry, the, um, you know, the pictures, the the stills yeah. Yeah, that people have taken that clearly show. I mean, it's pretty i don't know what else it would be if not a knife sunglasses. there are some sunglasses pretty bro. crazy looking sunglasses <laughs> if those are sunglasses um but it does appear to have a knife and uh, 
But, you know, you don't take that as fact because still shots can be photoshopped. Sure. And I, I tracked down many different uh, versions of the video in different places. And it, it is in the video. You can if you go frame by frame, you can clearly see he is holding the alleged knife, I guess we can call it. Um, so it was not photoshopped in. Uh, the article continues. Video of the shooting shows Blake walking around the front of the car with his back to the officers and his left arm swinging at his side, grasping some object. Brandishing, and this is where it gets wild, brandishing is defined by Merriam-Webster as, quote, to shake or wave something such as a weapon menacingly. That's not what the video shows. <laughs> Our ruling, false. We have no way of knowing for sure what Blake said, but we do know there was no gun, and we don't know, <laughs> we don't yet know if the knife police later found in the SUV was there throughout the confrontation or held by Blake at some point. Because, of course, we can't trust video evidence of this. But Blake was not brandishing anything in the video taken by the bystanders. Due to the lack of evidence establishing these claims at this point, we rate this claim false. So <laughs> what they are actually rating is a, the existence of a gun, which the report said there was not. But they take umbrage with the vocabulary that he was brandishing the knife. Now, when we say brandishing a knife, it, uh, my mind, I'm not saying the definition, but my mind says, oh, he's holding a knife. It yeah. is presented. It is there. It, it is can be perceived. That means it's brandishing. But they break it down to such a point where it's because it's he's not shaking it or waving it. He's just holding it means he's not brandishing it. And therefore calling it a false claim, which, of course, in, a, in an analysis type situation uh, is pretty manipulative. You yeah. know, of course, if you're a headline jockey, which a lot of people are, where you just read the headline and you just go off from there, uh, you read this headline, fact check, Jacob Blake did not brandish knife, then you are led to believe that he was indeed unarmed. Uh, which, you know, just goes against the video evidence. I don't know why this is not just the video evidence, but the guy, the witness saying, oh, I heard the cops say drop the knife. Right, right. And it and it gives more uh, it makes more sense because in the video, as you can see, Blake was actually at one point in a scuffle with the police. Right. And uh, they let him up, which right. was very strange. I, we, we talked about that in the last episode. And I think yeah. I think it makes sense that he, he might have pulled it out at that point, because if he pulled out a knife while they're trying to arrest him and after they tased him then the cops would back off and say, whoa. Yeah, that would be a reassessment yeah. part yeah. of the situation. That would be a situation where the cops get up and, and kind of step back. So that makes sense. So I don't know. The, the, these headlines are just, uh, it's adding fuel to the fire for people who believe that he was completely unarmed. And, you know, again, it's just, uh, it's just another. But, you know, this isn't the only one. I have this. Uh, do you have anything else to say about this one? Because I want to move on to the other one here. No, yeah, we can feel free to move on. Okay, we're running out of time before the, the live stream starts, but... Yeah, no uh, worries. Okay, so here, there's another one here. The race wars. Race wars. The race war. I've warned you and warned you and warned you. This is good old Snopes. Snopes, our favorite fact-checking website. 
Headline, was Jacob Blake charged with raping a child? Oh, yeah, this is a big conversation. And just just so I can get a word in at the beginning here, you know, this whole uh, criminal record thing is a dangerous game to play when it comes to uh, police shootings or even in the Kyle uh, Rittenhouse, the the teen shooter in uh, Kenosha. Because once you start playing the the criminal record game, it it's and and I mean this specifically in the left right paradigm type thing, because I see uh, articles about Kyle and his right. uh, AR fifteen situation. People saying, "Oh, he has a criminal record. He has priors. He has priors." And then of course you have people on the Blake uh, conversation saying, "Oh, he has priors. He has priors." Right. Here's the thing: a you don't want to start comparing rap sheets, especially between these two. Um, and B, you don't, uh, obviously priors does not, uh, excuse, you know, having priors does, is not a death sentence, Sure, but, uh, it, it is uh, used yeah. as character assassination, which, I will, which yeah. I mean, not to say that it's not to be taken into account in, in many aspects of, yes. you know, the, the judicial, the judicial system. Right. Well, anyways, the, the only thing I'll say about that is that the cops knew about some of the past things as they walk allegedly from what mm-hmm. I understand, they were told that there was a warrant for his arrest and on the record that shows that he had sexually assaulted. So it was uh-huh. part of, I don't know if they knew the details, but they definitely knew a warrant was out for his arrest. And right. I spoke to a neighbor who's a liberal. He's like a, you know, lib Joe kind of guy uh, who, mm-hmm. who is, who was a cop for 20 something years. And um, he watched the video and he was like, Oh Yeah. Uh, totally reasonable to put seven rounds in the guy, especially if you yeah. had a knife. And um, if, if, uh, if there was a call out about him and, and from the, the I think the initial reports that came out, uh, there was a call that was about him that they pulled up his records and it's called a 99. They just give you all mm-hmm. the information about the guy. And so they would have known that this guy is under, you know, had a warrant out. And so their approach would have been a little different in that regard. Uh, all that being said, this particular article with Snopes, I thought was very interesting because, you know, was Jacob Blake charged with raping a child? Um, not going to read through the whole thing because it gets kind of long here, but their assessment says false. Okay. But hmm. be very careful here because look at the way it's framed. Okay. Was Jacob Blake charged with raping a child? And okay. this comes from this, uh, another, you know, social media post that pulled up his file case. Excuse me. That back on uh, July 6th, there was a, a, a arrest warrant issued, and or actually on the 7th, and among some of the uh, issues that are listed, criminal trespass to dwelling, domestic abuse, third degree sexual assault, and then underneath mm. it has the title 11 criminal offenses, sexual assault, and um, it mentions, and this somebody put this together, uh, sort of photoshopped this together, I think. A uh, person guilty of third degree sexual assault if he or she is over the age of 18 years and engaged in sexual uh, penetration with another person over the age of 14 years and under the age of consent, 16 years of age. And so that's where the social media went wild. And and I got to admit, I was, I was even like, yeah, hey, I heard that this, you know, there was a he, he had some sexual abuse cases against a minor. Uh, yeah. Well, they looked at the uh, the whole thing here. and they They basically dig into that accusation. Section 11-37-6, 
which was uh, it was actually the Rhode Island general laws, which stated the that the assault was uh, uh, you know underage. But the actual one from Wisconsin is different. So under Wisconsin, a third degree sexual assault is uh, is quote whoever has sexual intercourse with a person without the consent of that person is guilty of a class G felony. Okay, so from hmm. what I understand. The it wasn't that he you know assaulted someone underage. It was that he basically assaulted his ex. I think it was his ex girlfriend, uh, who I think he has some children with, and she reported the case because I guess he came over and you know they uh, forced himself upon her, and so uh, I, I thought it was pretty interesting that Snopes would say ah see false he didn't he he does not you know he's not he did not rape a child you know but uh, the other side of the story what they're not telling you is that there is still a third degree sexual assault case, uh, a class G felony, which in Wisconsin is. Wait, 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 let me just, so I'm following. So okay. the, it's again, it's a rhetoric thing of rape a child, but he, but it was consensual. It was just it was with a, a consensual. minor. Well, so well, it would yes. be statutory rape. Well, no, no, I don't think it really okay. matters at this point because it wasn't with a minor point blank. It was it with wasn't his, with a minor. No, it was with his the the assault, sexual assault that was filed against him was from his ex girlfriend. Oh, so it's just regular rape. Not it's just a that's child. what I'm saying. It was just regular. Oh. It was a sexual assault, not underage sexual assault. Uh, okay, so so what's what I find interesting here is that according to the Wisconsin laws, a third degree sexual assault in Wisconsin, third degree sexual assault includes. Any other non-consensual sex, so non-consensual sex, and I apologize for the graphic nature of here, but this is what it says in the law books, ejaculating, urinating, or defecating on someone. Okay. That's what a class G felony is, and that's what he is accused of here. And uh, you can face 10 years in prison up to $25,000 fine. So again, this is one of those uh, straw man things where Snopes is like, oh, see, false. He did not rape a child. But right. what they're not really telling you is, or or at least not really making a big point of is, but he actually, yes, he sexually assaulted his ex-girlfriend, but let's not talk about that a whole lot. You know, hmm. that's, Interesting. That's, that's, that's not the part that we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on tearing down this false claim by social media that he's uh, some kind of pedophile or whatever, which, right. you know, in, in the case of like a QAnon group, you know, followers, that would confirm their bias. You know, so it'd be quick mm-hmm. for them to jump on like, see, he's a, he's a, uh, a pedophile and this and that, you know? So again, small details that, uh, can or won't or will confirm one side of the story or another. And, um, Snopes trying to make it seem like, uh, all these issues and, and the actual files, uh, the, you know, misdemeanor not just misdemeanor, but the third degree sexual assault thing, just minimizing it and, and yeah. trying to make it seem like, Oh, it's not what they say. He didn't rape a child. Right. You know, it's like, Oh, Okay. Cool. He must have been a really good guy. But again, like you said, it's uh it's kind of <laughs> right. mute for the whole event that happened, but because it's people are pulling it up. The, yeah, it's the a ju- ju- rhetorical jiu-jitsu. aikido. Right. Right. So there you go. I mean, I don't want to get get into it too much more of it, but I, I it's just crazy how the mainstream media is bringing up these stories uh in defense yeah, of, of Jacob Blake. 
without and any kind of. Of course, we know that this is a a lot of you know a large portion of this is political, is because it needed to be. The timing is pretty crazy. How of course things were dying down with uh, protests and riots, and of course we needed you know another uh, instigation to keep it going through the election, and so the timing is you know pretty uh, convenient for yeah. the movement. And, uh, but, you know, of course, once this happens, you gotta defend the person. And of course, we're not saying, you know, uh, we have the law and the judicial system for a reason. Uh, Extrajudicial killings are not cool, but, you know, there's always details uh, that go on that uh, get skimmed over when uh, the conversation becomes too simple. Yep. All right, what are we looking on time? It's 3.51. Oh, it's 2.51. It's 2.59. It's 2.59. I don't know what clock you're looking oh, at, but we got, it's okay, pretty much time okay. to go here. It's, Settle it's down. Happening. Yeah, it's time to go. Let's check out the Neuralink thing. Do you have uh... I'm gonna I'm going to play oh. some jingles. You okay with that? Do it. Do it. <laughs> You are already sort of a cybernetic symbiote. Neural nets are taking over from regular programming. So you are connected. We are connected. That's right. It's time, folks. Uh, We are here with the live stream of the Elon Musk's Neuralink system. Oh, I see it's loading there. So uh, this is going to be our first time commenting on a live uh production so you know give us some some grace as we try to figure out the best way to do it um but this is exciting for some background for those who are either new to the show um or maybe you're you listened a while ago and want a little update Neuralink we've been following since the beginning um it's a big player in the technocalypse which is uh you know our sort of future uh our our vocabulary for the dystopian tech technological future when Neuralink uh, was spun up by Elon Musk in 2016 um you know with uh, the intent to create mind machine interfaces uh, we saw this as a major step towards uh well the dystopian future that we all <laughs> are preparing for where man and machine are uh, are joined as one where iron mixes with clay and how that plays into uh how we see you know not just these times but possibly the end times going down um and uh there you go but you have any, some more background you want to give guns um yeah, I mean, uh, part of the reason why this topic is so interesting is um, because looking at eschatology and looking at looking at it from a you know like a biblical perspective, at least a fringe biblical perspective. This is not stuff that you're going to get from churches uh, right. and just your regular Sunday service. And that that was a big part of my frustration. Anytime we'd bring up these types of topics, microchip in the brain. Uh, you know, 2010, 2011, they'd be like, number one, that's not going to happen. Number two, if it does sweet, I don't have to type anymore. I don't have to, whatever. These people that are pastors and stuff are all into that. Um, but, uh, you know, there are some passages in, in, in the Bible that really just 
make you wonder what might be going on in the future. And a lot of it sounds, you know, the book of revelation, a lot of people say that it's just uh, crazy stuff that the John saw on an Island or it's all nonsense uh, or it's all analogy. Um, but there are passages that are very interesting. And of course we've talked about the mark of the beast and the image of the beast. And those things are definitely part of this conversation as well. But um, there's one that's really interesting that talks about in revelation nine and, um, and it's verse six. And it's regarding the, uh, the locusts that uh, descended on the earth that come out of the smoke. And, they, um, and we talked about the cyborg locusts a couple episodes ago. But yeah. it mentions here in verse 6, In those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will escape them. And that, you know, what, is, what, what would, could possibly be a type of situation where people are longing to die? but they can't. And, you know, of course you can just chalk it up to maybe a supernatural type of thing going on, but in the case of mind uploading and mind transferring and, and yeah. connecting e your Elon Musk's whole ethos, basically his whole ethos of connecting your mind to an AI and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it could be describing something of a situation where your mind and uh, is, you know, attached to some kind of machine and you're stuck. You're not. You're unable to really die because you're being kept alive yeah. by this AI or whatever. If your consciousness is uploaded, then you may not have control over unuploading it or yeah. deleting your consciousness. You know, and you may. The you know the dystopia of it is you know if you were trapped after you had your mind uploaded and uh, nobody was there to erase it you would just live forever in this sort of cyber uh, limbo that you could never get out of is it, and 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 that's not even necessarily our uh, idea that even the proponents of mind machine interfaces, uploading consciousness, things like that, uh, consider that to be an aspect of it. But of course they mostly think that that's a good thing. You'll live right. forever in your cyber heaven. Right. Um, yeah. now this also connects with, uh, what are we at now? Agenda 2045, 2030. Well, there's agenda 2030, which is the UN, uh, thing, but I'll pull up the, uh, the 2045, 2045 being yeah. the, the estimated date that we'll be able to upload our consciousness into the cloud. Right. Yeah. 2040. I think it's 2045.com. I'm going to check. Uh, Russian mogul Dmitry Itzkov, I believe was his name. Yeah. Uh, came out with a, a whole project, 2045 avatar project. And um, basically, you know, this was back in 2012 when we were talking about this, 2012, 2013. And mm -hmm. their goal between 2015 and 2020, a robotic copy of a human body remotely controlled via BCI, brain computer interface. Mm, and so we're yeah. in 2020 here. And could this be part of the uh, sort of demonstration of that, you know, that part of the plan? And, um, and it says uh, Avatar B 2020 to 2025, an avatar in which a human brain is transplanted at the end of one's life. And then from 2030 to 2035, an avatar with an artificial brain in which a human personality is transferred at the end of one's life. And then uh, between 2040 and 2045, they want a hologram-like avatar where you just live on forever. And, you know, we've had movies about this, Transcendence and other films that talk about this. And, uh, uh, you know, the reason why we're looking at this from 
at least for us, yeah, again, we're the fringes here. We're not really the mainstream when it comes to churchy people or whatever is right. because it's because it involves the topic of immortality. And when you talk about that, you know, the, the big key thing with Christianity, the main point, not the religion surrounding it, but really the, the message and the reason why Jesus died and rose again. And the, the whole deal has to do with immortality, you know? And, and yeah. so when you start talking about machines bringing us to a state of immortality, it's gonna, it should alarm people in the church. It hasn't, it really, you yeah. know, the most people in church are kind of just, oh, they're just out there going to church on Sundays and whatever, which is, that's fine. You know, that's how you want to live. But, uh, and, and this is why it's an alarming prospect and I don't know what's happening, but I'm getting so many like spam phone calls on my, my phone right now. I wonder if somebody doesn't like the fact that we're trying to live stream this thing. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. You don't have the, uh, the YouTube up on the screen there. Cause that's where I'm going to have to watch it too. I'm wondering, Oh, they're late, man. They're just late. Yeah. They're late. Well, fashionably uh -oh. late. Yeah. Making us wait for it. Okay. We're good to keep, uh, keep talking about keep it. Kind of talking. Yeah. Yep. So this topic has really been a, a longstanding interest, uh, for us. You know, we started podcasting in 2012 with our original show, uh, Canary Cry Radio. We've got a lot of great episodes concerning transhumanism on Canary Cry Radio. You can find that on YouTube as well as, uh, your, any podcatcher. And so that's why today is such an exciting day, you know, Neuralink being the the first step in the uh, on the on the road to uploading consciousness and, and many other aspects of transhumanism specifically. Um, and I guess with the transhumanism conversation, you know, that's one we've been having since the beginning. What does it mean to. Uh, uh, you know, improve human life with technology? What does it mean? Uh, where does the line to be drawn between, uh, you know, corrective tech use of technology on the human body right. or, uh, you know, or an enhancement, enhancement of the human body without a medical need, those types of things, and really trying to figure out, uh, you know, the, the ins and outs of this conversation, um, I think we come at it with the spirit of trying to not uh, be unnecessarily settled, uh, but going through the constant process of uh, discovering uh, the, the path, the direction that transhumanism is going in. Uh, because, you know, transhumanist decisions are soon, we're all going to have to make them, you know? Yeah. I mean, forget about, you know, things like vaccines and wearing masks and things like that. These are the same, con you know, the, the whole big hubbub right now about wearing a mask or vaccines and mandatory masks, mandatory vaccines. This is just a precursor to what we believe will definitely become part of a public conversation, you know, in the next coming decades of, you know, mandatory cybernetic improvements or, uh, you know, forced, uh, not just chipping cause you can do that today, but actual, uh, you know, well, like Neuralink brain computer interfaces. Will there even be computers that you can interface with in a traditional sense? Uh, will interacting with technology or at least in a, uh, economic sense, ever, you know, allow you to, to not have a brain 
uh, interface ever again. I don't know. These are all uh, things that we've been exploring for years now. And uh, th that's why today is a pretty exciting day for us. Yeah, they're really taking their time too, making us wait. I thought Elon was one of those people that really likes to be on time, you know? Really. I don't know. You know what? It's weird. I keep getting all these strange phone calls really? too. Really? I'm getting tons, yeah. man. I'm getting I like. I know, it's bugging me. Yeah, I'm getting, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four. I've had seven spammy calls on my phone in the last yeah. uh, 10 minutes. Weird. That is very weird. I mean, <laughs> maybe Elon's trying to call us <laughs> from his neural like, I, need, I need you guys. I'm watching the live stream. I'm loving it. <laughs> refresh, guys. Refresh. Refresh. Come on. It's there. Um, um, another part of the conversation here, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is a really important chapter when it comes to this topic as well, because mm -hmm. uh, it really gets into uh, just the, some of the theology of biblical eschatology and what happens to the body. Uh, I have some things highlighted here. Uh, starting in verse 42. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead? What is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is a spiritual body. So it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. Interestingly enough, the last Adam uh, or second Adam referencing to Jesus. And then later on here, uh, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in an instant in a, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed for the perishable must be clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Talking about the believers there. That's really interesting how uh, they reference the human body as kind of like clothes. Like, uh, it's just, you know, it's perishable right now, but you're going to have an imperishable, immortal body, which yeah. is inc incredible to think about when you consider the topic of transhumanism and how they want to try to, you know, basically push the human uh, body to the limits as it is now. And, you know, if we talk about hell, <laughs> if, if you're going to be in hell, perhaps hell is uh having an eternal corruptible body you know like being stuck in a fallen state forever and maybe that's part of the reference to uh the uh the the you yeah. know seeking death I mean, and not finding it as well yeah there is a sense in where the the uh consciousness upload could be its own type of hell uh, de you know depending on the uh <laughs> the circumstances in there right um this is uh do, do we didn't do this for the Cybertruck reveal. We, did, we didn't. No. Did you you watch? Did you watch the Cybertruck reveal, or at least the clips? The yeah, important yeah, clips, the right? Clips. Yeah. Uh, remember when you throw the big ball bearing at the window yeah. to prove <laughs> yes. how unbreakable it was? Yeah. And it broke. I am so curious to see if something like that will happen. Oh, if, yeah, but that <laughs> would, this, this would be and, bad. If, yeah. uh, Again, it goes back to the monkey happy, hacking into Skynet right there on stage. And, uh, oh my gosh. Okay, I am on... Uh, I'm on YouTube here. I searched for the Neuralink thing myself. Oh, this is somebody else doing what we're doing. Okay. Just checking in to make sure we don't lose anything. Yeah, well, I'm I'm on here. I'm just waiting. I'll I've refreshed a couple times. I'm sure it'll just start when it starts. That's normally how YouTube works. Yeah. But. Okay. CNET. Yeah, they're doing a similar thing, and it says please stand by, so they're not getting it either. Um. 
what was I going to say? What? Now we've, we've been given hints that, uh, you know, what we're going to see in this thing. And that is going to be a monkey who has the, uh, the Neuralink implanted and we will watch him move a cursor on a computer screen. It's a little bit worrying that we're now, what are we? 10 minutes late now? 15. 15. Oh my gosh. Clock man. Are you stuck? You must be stuck a few minutes behind in time. No, it's just my clock is wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't comment on every time my clock is wrong or else there's going to be a lot of comments. Um, Fix your clock, Basil. Come back I to the can't. present. Stop know, living in the past. Yeah, my uh, my computer just has a mind of its own, apparently. Yeah, I th- I hope that the monkey's okay. I hope that there's no delay because oh, the yeah. monkey what if, has uh, taken control. Yeah, of the, <laughs> what, if, what if he woke up and he started talking? What are you doing to me and my people and my kind? Again, we have to, should we take a a bet on what we think the monkey's name is going to be? I'm thinking it's going to be Caesar. You you think Caesar? From uh, Planet of the Apes. Um, Yeah, I don't think they're going to call him Caesar. I mean, that would be just asking for it. That's what he does, though. That's what Elon does. Yeah, he does kind of troll in that way. He's he's a uh, pop, uh, pop culture guy. I'll go with George. Oh, that's a really good guess. Yeah. Okay. It's either George or Caesar. I think we're, I think we're, one of us will be right on that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that'll be very interesting to see. What? I had another thing I wanted to discuss, but I forget. Uh, It was something about Neuralink, some of the things that they had planned. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What do you think? Anything else? Well, and I mentioned it in the, I think in the last episode, but, um, you know, the, the idea of a monkey moving a cursor or connecting to the internet or whatever through their brain, some kind of brain interface, mm-hmm. they, they did that a long time ago. They, there was a monkey that they connected to the internet through some kind of brain, you know, interfacing and he controlled a robotic arm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was a few thousand miles away or something. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was done through the internet. So, you know, th- this sort of thing has already worked. But I guess it's just, uh, this is more of a public staging, I suppose, where the whole world is watching. You have how many people? There was close to 100,000 people waiting for this thing. 97,000 people waiting to watch this Neuralink progress update. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's a lot maybe more he's public. Waiting, maybe he's waiting for a threshold of viewers. He's like, I will not present <laughs> unless there is 100,000 people. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, that sounds like something you'd do. Yeah. Um, now, we read some articles in the past couple episodes uh, specifically about this. We've been looking forward to it for about a month where it was discussing a lot of the issues going on at Neuralink. Right. And Elon Musk uh, famously being, you know, kind of a, you know, obviously an eccentric billionaire type but also very demanding and more on the capitalist side of things uh you know the business uh, hype ty- side of things rather than uh, having realistic scientific deadlines yeah now however he's done okay with the spacex thing so whatever he's doing he's good at uh, making scientists angry and quit um, but you know, SpaceX is do, do, completing its goal. Uh, but we read about how six of the original eight scientists at Neuralink, 
have bailed for various reasons, including a toxic workplace and rushing scientific uh, uh, standards and everything like that. So uh, hopefully it has not stalled progress. Maybe Elon just yelled at the uh, the the technical director for the live stream, and so the tech director just walked out, and now there's nobody to press the button. You know, one of the things that's kind of troubling or kind of freaky, if you think about it, if you look at all of Elon's uh, projects, you have Tesla, you got your cars, you have SpaceX, so you got you know alleged you know space up there, and you also have his uh uh, uh what was the one uh. Uh, the the weblink one, the one where he's going to try to connect the internet with uh, chains Star- of satellites. Starlink. Yeah, Star Starlink. Starlink. Yeah. So, if you think about what he's creating here, it really is an entire infrastructure where your brain is going to be plugged in to the internet, which is going to be beamed down from you know a chain, like a whole chain of satellites all over the earth allegedly and then uh also being able to tap into or control cars and spaceships i don't know it's just a weird it's yeah. so dystopian if you kind of think about it it's it's really like all the science fiction things coming together and who who gets to afford, you know who's who's the one that's going to be able to do it you're going to have some kind of uh you know because neuralink talks about oh it's going to solve alzheimer's it's going to solve all this stuff it goes back to the Revelation 13 where one of the heads of the beast has a head wound and then he's you know brought back to life basically and if what if it's a situation where someone important politically or geopolitically gets some kind of head wound and Elon says hey I can help you I can help you I can make you stronger than you were before you died you know and right. so he's like the first true big human trial and now he controls like all the Teslas and like he can he can control some kind of space weaponry uh where he can fire rockets down or like the rods of god from from the, the whatever it's just like a crazy i don't know the whole thing just sounds insane to me and the thing that i think is interesting is i've talked to like random you know kind of like uh normies about this mm-hmm. uh, this topic normies and a lot of them especially especially believers uh, will say like, oh, I don't think that he's going to, they're not going to achieve this. They're not going to ever get right. to that point. And it's like, yeah, sure. But uh, all it takes is like <laughs> that one guy who connects to the internet, <laughs> with like his brain or whatever. And you have right. transcendence, the movie pretty much happening. You got Johnny Depp basically, uh, you know, yeah. in everybody's well, phones. Well, that is the big leap. Now there's a couple big leaps here in this whole consideration. One of them is connecting your brain to a computer in the right. first place, which is what we're waiting for with Neuralink. Then there's the big leap of, you know, your consciousness inhabiting uh, either, you know, some sort of cyberspace, whether that's a cloud thing or the internet or even a, 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 an offline machine, you know, where right. the consciousness actually inhabits um, a, I don't even know, it's we're having to make up new vocabulary here, but, you know, inhabiting some sort of uh, artificial structure. Um, and then the, uh, I mean, I think those are the two big leaps. I don't, I'm trying to think what, but it's crazy when you think about it, because, uh, you know, the idea that something would be impossible 
has existed for all of human <laughs> all of human existence. I mean, even go the the easy examples of how you know it was always thought that human beings flying was an impossibility that it's uh, you know, there's no way for it to even happen and then of course we flew and then the next thing with space and the next thing is just the next thing and the next thing i think it's it's simply just sort of a small-minded idea that um, man would not be able to accomplish you know almost everything that they want to accomplish and in fact it's it's sort of biblical in a sense not that it's yeah it's well, biblical that whatever they you know they being mankind or humankind whatever they want to achieve they will achieve yeah and uh we have this jingle that summarizes what we're living through here but as the days of no were so shall also the coming of the son of man be and noah yeah. being somebody that lived 350 years after the flood uh, so he was likely alive during the tower of Babel. And mm -hmm. the one thing that's very, it's always been very interesting to me about the tower of Babel is in Genesis 11, uh, verse six, it says that, uh, first off, I'm going to read the King James here. Uh, behold, the people is one and they, uh, have all one language and this, they begin to do like build a tower and try to reach heaven. And now mm -hmm. nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Basically, God is saying, hey, now that they have this, they have one language, which, you know, a lot of people say like mathematics is the one language, or maybe it's just, you know, ones and zeros in the computer or qubits in the quantum computer, whatever it is. I'm not saying that's what it was at the Tower of Babel, but right. the, the singular language, a singular purpose of mankind and trying to reach heaven as this mm -hmm. goal that they had uh, way back when. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Nothing they imagine to do will be impossible. You know, so it's, right. it's a very interesting idea. Like, oh, they can be, they can practically do whatever they want. They're basically going to be like gods. And I mean, what are we talking about here? We're talking about like man becoming God in, in, uh, in a type of, uh, uh, basically if you look at transcendence or if you look at any kind of, technological uh, transhumanist uh, doctrine or writing, they talk about mm -hmm. that. They say, Hey, we're basically going to be gods, you know? Yeah. And uh, so it, it, again, this topic is very much relevant uh, to those who are believers, uh, Christians, if you will, in a way that I don't think most people even think about. It's a very yeah. relevant discussion. Uh, and it's a frustrating thing because you have on one hand the, uh, you know, the atheistic type of uh, folk who don't believe in God. And they're like, of course, of course, we're going to pursue this. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you have. Right. It's almost immoral not to. Immoral not to. Yeah. And then on the other hand, you have believers that are like, ah, don't worry about it. It's fine. Right. We're living in the And there's millennium. others that, yeah, that are super into it. Yeah. Or, or yeah, or believers that are like, Yeah. Can't wait to download the Bible into my brain. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting what you say about the the worldwide language in the Tower of Babel, because, I mean, I, I know it's a little bit more complicated than this, but I mean, just even consider binary. Yeah. You know, if uh, the, the language of computers 
you know, it, it is a global language. It now, is. You know, programmers in whatever country, whatever country you come from, whatever language or culture or background or religion, uh, you know, if, there's a one language that everybody can learn. And it's uh, now I understand there's many different programming languages, but uh, computer language, binary, and I know there's some other exceptions. It really is. Uh, almost a one for one when you when you broaden your idea of language yeah <laughs> compared to the original scriptures right yeah it is very interesting too that yeah like you said the the ones and zeros and computers have brought down the language barrier between it's part of you know you want to call it globalism or whatever this one one world government new world order uh thing the technology of computers the internet uh, and effectively the calculations of ones and zeros have pretty much brought down those barriers and so uh i think it's joseph uh and i forgot his name i uh, have his book here somewhere uh he's an author he's not a believer but he's he's written some really great books on some of these fringe ideas and um he talks about how we're living through a tower of babel moment where but mm. but he sees it as like you know he's one of those folks that thinks that yahweh was the evil one and stuff so he was you know I, i've heard him talk about how Oh, this time around, you know, he's God is not going to prevent man from achieving its ultimate destination. He's not going to slow us down like he did back in Genesis 11. It's just interesting how folks will take that anti-God stance, which just turns out to be this, you know, Luciferian or even uh, sort of a satanic perspective on life without being like yeah. a theistic Satanist or, you know, openly worshiping Lucifer or anything like that. It's just a default that they fall into, which is, I, I always think it's fascinating. You, you're either for or against God. And that's, uh, seems to be the pattern of life as we go through this, uh, situation. Yeah. And, uh, as, oh, that's the one thing I wanted to mention about Tesla. Did you know they don't even have two factor authentication on some of their, uh, on their security for users? On the cars? Yeah. Like users that log in, you know, they, they log huh. into their thing. They don't have two FA. And Elon came out and was like, yeah, we're behind on that. We should get on it. Like, yeah, at the very least, like that's, you know, that's like anti-hacking is, 101 is 2FA. So nerd. I don't know. Nerd. No, you're correct though. Um, Greasy's in black in the YouTube chat says Elon Musk is testing our patience as well as Neuralink. And that's, uh, that's true. <laughs> true Elon is true. testing our patience, although he tends to do that a lot nowadays. Um, but he's also giving us a lot of a a lot of practice in riffing without our notes. <laughs> yeah. But it has given us a great. Uh, I, I'm actually kind of happy for it um, because I'm glad for the opportunity to at, at least in a basic way lay out um, the worldview that we're coming at this from. Right. Because uh, you know if somebody's tuning in for the first time, wants to catch the live stream, um, you know if, if you're going to understand almost any of our commentary, <laughs> yeah, you got to have a our, little primer. Yes, our riffing for the past twenty five minutes or whatever. Um, I mean, I th I'm glad. I'm happy for it. I think it's um, important to be able to even as a refresher for old you know, the old school listeners uh, to keep these uh, details in mind as we move forward with the live stream. So that's very <laughs> nice. I do want to do something in the chat. Okay. Um, 
If you're in the chat, there's a lot of people in the chat today. I'm stoked on that. I am curious. I saw somebody mention they're tuning in from Scotland. Uh, and it made me wonder where everybody is tuning in from. I know from our analytics, most of our listeners are in the U.S., um, but if you're in the chat and you're chatting, just just uh, post where you're from. Um, uh, I kind of want to know, and maybe we'll, ooh, we have a Netherlands person, Minnesota. Ooh. Okay, keep that coming. I want to refer to that as we go here. It's a good idea to have a reference point for yeah. uh, the, the people we got tuning call. in here. Roll call. Uh, Roll call. Yeah. I'm going to, I have three minutes to see if I'm right. I'm going to guess that he's going to start the live stream on the 33rd minute. Ooh, good call. We're at 30 right now. You're on top of it. We're exactly 30 minutes late. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. If it doesn't start in the next three minutes, uh, well, knowing, knowing Elon, I would say, you know, he would be, have something to do with 420. Um, but <laughs> well, I think 33 is a good, good guess too. I don't want to really wait late. 420 minutes, uh, for Elon. It'll be well, dinner time by then. Yeah. Or another 50 minutes till the actual time 420. Yeah. Uh, you got, I you got some sort of loading thing there. Nope. They're just messing with us. Yeah. Wow. We got Germany, South Africa, Netherlands, Texas, South Africa, Oklahoma, Rwanda, Belgium. Wow. People coming in from all over the place. Croatia. Wow. Love Croatia. Oh, did my chat get frozen on the screen here? Um, I have no idea. Oh, in the actual stream. <laughs> yeah. I may have overloaded the, oh, no. <laughs> the stream graphic. Uh-oh. Oh, all right. Well, Virginia, I'll see if it- Nevada, Japan. We got a Japan listener with a, uh, a Japanese characters in their name. I have no idea what their name is, but welcome from Japan. <laughs> Basil's true love says live from Basil's room. Okay. Oh, creepy. Okay, Basil's true <laughs> love creepy. in the chat. You settle down. Sweden. Very good. Wow. I'm s- holy moly. All right. Okay. Well, what do you want to talk about now? Uh, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the chat thing here because it's definitely not moving anymore on my end. It's not moving on the stream either. Just let it catch up. It's got a lot of catching up to do. Okay. I'll, I'll just leave it alone fault. for a little bit. That was my fault. Calling on all almost a thousand people watching live across uh, all of our platforms to all, <laughs> Tell <laughs> all us where chat you're from. at once. That I may have crashed the system. That's my fault. Restream doesn't like, like what you're doing to it. Yeah. That's okay. They should be able to handle a lot more though. Come on, restream. Yeah. But anyway. It, it, it'll catch up. Don't worry about it. Okay. We'll, we'll figure it out. All right. Um, uh, well, we you know what we can do is hmm. uh, we can take a a break. It'll be you know. Oh, sort yeah. of a, We'll just leave this up on the screen in case it starts, and then we'll just jump right into it. Yes, that's um, what we'll but do. But we can thank some people that have supported the show, and yeah, uh, that way stick we around. Can, We're yeah. gonna thank some people here. Uh, it's a very very short list of producers, so don't get too scared. Uh, but we're going to thank some new Twitch followers. We're going to thank some producers of the show. We're going to keep an eye on the live stream. Um, but this is, it's actually a good idea to get this out of the way before we get yeah. into the, the main event. Right. Okay. So quick break here. It's Let's do it. Okay, folks, we're going to take a quick break before the main show starts here. And uh, this is where we want to, first of all, thank some of our new Twitch followers. Are you ready, Gons, with your dinger? Uh, yes. 
Okay, I want to start out by thinking, uh-oh, we've got a, we've got some infiltration. Uh, Kali666. Uh-oh. It's keeping an eye on us. Uh, from Collies CERN are cute, there. though. What? The dog? You know, the Collies? <laughs> no, Kali, like, Kali, the, uh, the Hindu goddess that oh, has the oh. statue I'm thinking in, in front of uh, CERN there. And, of course, you got to have 666 on there. Okay. Uh, we also have Bisal's googly eyes. Ooh, Bisal. We have Basil's and Bisal's. Uh, deep research. Thank you. Get off my lawn, Pepe Ga. Thank you oh. very much. Get off my lawn. Oh, it looks like it caught up, kind of. Yeah, okay, it'll get there. Uh, thanks to Destroyer of Flippy Official. Okay, this is no <laughs> wow. this is no knockoff account. This is the official Destroyer of Flippy account. Uh, organ donor <laughs> underscore za. Ah. Yahuwah Messiah Jesus. Yeah, boy, Rezzy. Shanimals. <laughs> Miss Night Owl. Amy 4MP. Uh, Mike Sid 1. <laughs> Some Ting Wong, 91. <laughs> and uh, Love Y'all On Here is back on the list. I think Love Y'all On Here is uh, doing a great job of staying top of mind. <laughs> unfollowing and following again <laughs> so thank you very much to all of our new twitch followers you guys are the best we got to be getting close to 2000 twitch followers so if you're out there and you are uh have not yet followed us on twitch at twitch.tv slash canary cry radio we recommend it we'll pop the link in there so you can uh hit it up follow put on notifications little nice little they make it easy turn on notifications with that little button there um even if you prefer youtube or something like that we uh, it's a really good idea to follow us on twitch uh, they're really good at sending out notifications whereas youtube is doing everything they can to silence us so um that's why we push twitch at the moment now, uh, in addition to all that, uh, I think it's time to thank some producers, Gons. Let's do it. Uh, yes, uh, I saw somebody in the chat. I just double-checked it. Elon did uh, publish Ahem starting soon at 3.32 p.m., so about four oh, minutes ago. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, he posted <laughs> that at 3.32. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he missed. He missed. <laughs> he was too soon. Although it's, um, although it's still 3.32 in the uh, oh, yeah. sequence of numbers, but go ahead. That's not nothing. Nope. Okay, so we are on the value for value system. And if you've seen the show before, you know what that means. But if you're new, let me share with you. The value for value system is uh, we put out the content. We do the best job we can and we do it as often as we possibly can. Uh, so we create some value. We provide it to you. And then it's your opportunity to put some value back into the system. And here's why we do that. Uh, there's a lot of temptation for cre uh, media creators to fall into what I'm starting to call the advertising trap. And it really is a trap because here's what happens. They lure you in with the idea that you can make money by creating content. 
and then you can sell ads on your content and uh, it'll be so fun. What could possibly go wrong? But the problem is, as we've seen over the years with this model, uh, the advertising model, it is a trap because it then uh, it incentivizes you as a creator or us guns as creators of content to think of our listeners and our audience as uh, a commodity or a crop almost to be grown and grown and grown at all cost to say whatever we need to say to do whatever we need to do to get more and more listeners uh, because that directs uh, directly translates into dollars uh, to support the show now that's not necessarily the end of the world but you know, when it's just not healthy for people, for a, an entire economy to be based on uh, considering people who give you your trust, give you their trust and their attention to start thinking of them as farm animals uh, that you need to increase in numbers in order to support yourself is kind of a depressing way to think about it. On top of that, advertising is also a trap because you then must maintain brand friendliness, which means you can't say things uh, that the brand doesn't like. You can't report on things the brand doesn't want you to report on. You can't... Uh, uh, you know, hold even worldviews that the brand does not uh, want to connect with their brand. <laughs> and that makes it very tempting for content creators to uh, tailor their message, not to the truth, but to the wishes of the advertisers. And all this is why we subscribe to the value for value model which means every one of you listeners out there, you are not just a number for us to sell to a corporation, but you are individual human beings that we can actually care about uh, telling the truth to. So anyways, when it uh, comes to supporting the show, we ask that if you value out of what we do, uh, simply to uh, consider putting some value back into the show. And you can do that a couple ways. One is with... Uh, CC, uh, patreon.com slash ccnt which is a great way to do it and she's uh, I, I am live trying to fix my thing here let's see I'm not doing a good job um patreon.com slash ccnt which is currently not reloading for me here but uh as of last check uh about oh, i think we're starting are we starting okay i saw something move Okay, I'm going to go through the producers really quick, which will be easy. We have no new producers on CCNT Patreon, no new producers on CCR Patreon, which is uh, pretty odd. It's it's unusual, and we don't know if there's something wrong with Patreon or if people just are done supporting the show. Um, so there you go. No new producers there. But we also have CanaryCryRadio.com slash support for those who don't like Patreon. Ooh. All right. We're uh, we're starting. We're starting. All right, our one producer <laughs> will get a shout out later in the show. Well, I think you could do it. It's uh, you know, it's just some Elon style music with uh. Okay. Yeah. Well, then uh, coming in on PayPal at CanaryCryRadio.com/support is our good good one and only producer Brandon. Thank you very Brandon. much, producer Brandon. Everybody in the chat loves you, Brandon. We love you. Thank you so much for your support. Um, we also had some anonymous uh, uh, cryptocurrency come in. So thank you for the anonymous. Here we go. All right. Welcome to the Neuralink product demo. I'm really excited to show you what we've got. I think it's going to blow your mind. 
Um, so <laughs> so the, awkward. The, the primary purpose of this uh, demo is actually recruiting. So I'm going to emphasize this at the beginning and then again at the end. Um, we're, we're not trying to raise money or uh, do anything else. The, the, the main purpose of this is to convince great people to come work at Neuralink and oh, help us a, bring the, the product job to, fair. to fruition, uh, make it affordable and reliable and, uh, and such that anyone who wants one can have one. And um, stick your head so under that guillotine battle. The, the <laughs> like it does like, look like, like a guillotine, uh, what doesn't we, it? What's our goal? Our goal is to solve important spine and brain problems with a seamlessly, seamlessly implanted device. That's your so short term You goal. want to have a device that you can basically uh, put in your head um, and feel and look totally normal, uh, but it solves uh, some, some important problem um, in your brain or spine. And the, the reality is that almost everyone. Uh, over time will develop brain and spine problems. Uh, these range from uh, minor to very severe. Needs but if you look some help. Enough, you, you, <laughs> my brain or spine, my eyeball is completely um, falling off. Disorder. And these range from, you know, from memory loss to brain damage. But um, the, the thing that's now just a, just a quick that, comment here. He's uh, is, is mentioning how memory loss, hearing um, loss, blindness, all sorts of neurological disorders can be solved um, with I mean, this. It is very common for transhumanist, uh, well, transhumanists and transhumanist products and transhumanist companies to base the idea of transhumanism first around medical purposes, and then inevitably they either get grafted into the military-industrial complex, or in this case, certainly a commercial-grade economic transhumanist product. So this beginning. These can be insult. Yeah. These can explanation as a medical device uh, is always uh, how it starts. Neuralink. This is uh, an extremely fundamental thing, and I think a lot of people don't quite understand that. Um, the neurons are like wiring, um, and you kind of need an electronic thing to solve an electronic problem. So, current medical research. Uh, it, we'll just go through what is the state of the art in medical research. Uh, and, then, and then what's the state of the art in what consumers or, or people in general can get. So the current medical research uh, has shown that you can uh, read neurons in a human's brain. So there's something called the Utah array, which has about 100 channels per array. Uh, but it's, it's like, kind of like a, it's a bed of rigid spikes that's literally inserted with an air hammer. Uh, so, you know, that's slightly discomforting, I think. Um, and there's a big, really? there's, there's wires and a box on your head. And so it's some infection risk. Um, and obviously, it will look pretty weird if you walk around with boxes on your head. Utah, um, right? And in, in order to use it, you have to have an expert medical profession, professional there. And it's only been done in, in a few dozen pe people. So, um, but it Showed is a, uh, it served as an important, important proof of concept that this can be done. So we, we did want to. Uh, Point, point this out and, and show that this is actually does work. Um, it's just not something that the average person could, act, could use effectively. And then in terms of what is currently available, uh, there is something Thanks. called deep brain stimulation, <clears throat> where they put electrodes, a small number of electrodes uh, in your brain, and they will actually uh, zap your brain with an electric current. Um, and it's, it's, it's valuable for its uses, but it can't read or write high bandwidth information. Um, I would say this is sort of a bit like sort of kicking the TV, which does work. 
but not always, and it has limitations. Um, nonetheless, th this has greatly helped over 150,000 people, um, and it's, so it's, it's actually, just despite being somewhat of a brute force approach, it has been very effective for a lot of people. And this is what's currently available. So we want to radically improve this by multiple orders of magnitude, improve it by a factor of 100, then 1,000, then 10,000. So uh, going into the Neuralink architecture, uh, what we've done over the past year is dramatically simplify the device. So we, 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 about a year ago, we had a device which uh, had a, a m multiple parts, including a piece that it had to sort of sit behind your ear, um, uh -huh. and it was it was it was complex, and you and you wouldn't still look totally normal. You'd have a thing behind your ear. So um, we've simplified this to simply something that is uh, about the size of a large coin, um, and it it goes uh, in your skull, replaces a piece of skull, um, and the wires uh, uh, then then connect uh, within a few centimeters or about an inch away from the device. Um, and this is sort of what it looks like. Small little circular microchip looking yeah. thing, copper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's holding it now, this holding it up device. to the camera. Looks like uh, the side that, of the thing at the bottom is just to hold the threads in place because they're just like little fine wire wires. Um, Basil your eyes. I mean, man. frankly, to, to sort of simplify no, this. My eyeball is completely uh, what, what we're, I mean, it's more complicated than this, but it's, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a Fitbit in your skull with tiny wires. Oh, yay. So, Fantastic. Fitbit in your um, skull. And it's, uh, yeah, so our, our current prototype, version 0.9, has about 1,000 channels. Uh, so that's you know, about mm. 100 times better than the, the next best um, uh, consumer device that's available. And it's a 23 millimeters by eight millimeters. It actually uh, fits quite nicely in your skull because your, your skull is about 10 millimeters thick. So uh, it fits, it's, it goes flush with your skull, it's invisible, and all you can see afterwards is there's a tiny scar. And if it's under your hair, you can't see it at all. In fact, I could have a Neuralink right now and you wouldn't know. Maybe I do. Ooh, Ooh maybe I do. So, oh, there it goes. Uh, and it's, it's also got all, all the things that you would expect to see, the sensors you'd expect to see in a smartwatch uh, or a phone, like uh, inertial measurement, temperature, pressure. Uh, so there's actually a lot of functions that this device could do uh, r related to monitoring your health and warning you about a possible heart attack or stroke <laughs> or other uh, damage, as well as uh, sort of convenience features it? like playing music. Yeah, um, how do you, you charge do a lot. it? Um, Stick your head in it. Sort of like if you're no more bats. at your brain or something. Um, yeah, maybe that's not a great analogy. Um, anyway, so it's also inductively charged. So um, it's charged in the same way that you, char you charge a smartwatch or a phone. Um, and so you can use it all day, uh, charge it at night, and have full functionality. So you would really, um, you know, it would be, it would be completely seamless. Uh, and uh, yeah, no wires. Yeah. Uh, in terms of getting a link, so that, um, we, you need to have the device, uh, a great device, and you also need to have a great robot that uh, puts in the, uh, the electrodes and uh, does you the need surgery. need a great robot. So you want the surgery to be as, as automated uh, and, uh, as possible, and the only way you can achieve the level of precision that's needed can is with an advanced robot. In less than an um, hour. So we're really looking for uh, great people who can help develop both the device uh, and the robot.
without general um, and anesthesia. And we feel confident about getting wow. the, uh, the link procedure, the, the installation of a link, done in under an hour. Um, so you can basically go in in the morning and leave the hospital in the afternoon. And it can be done without general anesthesia. Where's the monkey? <laughs> Show us. So in terms Caesar. of getting a link, like I said, it's essentially uh, you open a piece of skull, um, you remove uh, about a coin-sized piece of skull, uh, oh and then the robot inserts the electrodes. Uh, we'll talk more about that later. Uh, then the device replaces the portion of skull that was removed, and we, we basically close that up with actually a super glue, which is how a lot of wounds are closed, and, uh, and then you can just walk around right, after, right afterwards. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So this is our surgical robot. It does look like a giant flippy. <laughs> Flippies. And we actually up, ultimately man. want this robot to do uh, essentially the entire surgery. Uh, so in, in everything from, from in, incision, uh, removing the, the skull, inserting the electrodes, oh, no. placing the device, um, and then um, closing things up and having you ready to, to leave. So we want to have a fully automated ah. system. And we've, to be clear, this, this robot d does actually work. We've used it for uh, all of the uh, implantations. <laughs> Someone in the chat, Flippy, your son is out of control. Um, so this, this shows you um, <laughs> oh, no. a sort of close-up view. They're showing um, footage of the... I think it's actually not too gruesome. Wires uh, going into the, the brain. the electrodes being inserted in the brain. Yeah, this and micro if you look closely, you'll see that um, that's a, it's a little counterintuitive that uh, if the electrodes are inserted very carefully, that there is no bleeding. Um, and so the, uh, if you have very tiny electrodes and if they're inserted very carefully, so the, the robot actually images the brain and makes sure to avoid any veins or arteries so that the electrodes can be inserted um, with no noticeable damage. So you will have no noticeable uh, neural damage uh, in inserting the link. Says you. <laughs> yeah, it, like you sort of think like if you stab something with a wire, surely it will bleed. But actually, at a, at a really small scale, it does not. Oh yay! <laughs> so, does it actually work? And uh, what I'm excited to show you, um, I call it like the, the, the three little pigs demo. Um, and uh, if our uh, oh. animal handlers bring we're bringing out the the pigs, and three what we're going to show pigs. you is pigs. A, yep. Well, I'll walk right over and show you. Oh, so they're rolling out some pigs here in, in a three little pens. Those are monkeys. <laughs> we were promised monkeys. <laughs> so what we have in pen number one is Joyce. Joyce. Uh, and she does not have an implant. Oh. <laughs> Obviously, healthy oh. and happy. This um, is a normal pig. <laughs> a normal pig. <laughs> we're trying to it's get just a regular pig. We have. Well, this is how you know it's a live demo. She's a little. She's like eh, she's trying to eat something in the corner of her pen. Um, okay, here's the normal pig. Let's, let's move, move on. on. Let's get going, Elon. Let's go. <laughs> Snacks are this way. <laughs> oh man. He's just showing off his prized <laughs> hogs. All right, we'll we'll wait. We'll give Gertrude a second. Gertrude. And we'll move on to Dorothy. Dorothy. Yeah. Ooh, pigs, oh, pigs are a little like shy. The... Legion went into. So here's Dorothy. Oh, yeah. Legion. Um, and in the go. case of Dorothy, um, Dorothy used to have an implant, and then we removed the implant. So, so the one is, with the implant is uh, not cooperating? It's a very important oh. thing to uh, 
demonstrate is reversibility. So if you, if you have a neural link and then you decide you don't want it or you want to get an upgrade and the neural link is removed, um, is it removed in such a way that you are still healthy and happy afterwards? And mm, good what Dor Dorothy illustrates is that you can put in the neural link, remove it, and be healthy, happy, and indistinguishable from a normal pig. Oh, thanks, Dorothy. Mm. <laughs> Man, Gertrude, are you serious? <laughs> okay. Come on, Gertrude. <laughs> um, well, should, should we bring them all out or something? Would, would now that be he better? feels how we felt everyone, waiting everyone for him to start the live stream. <laughs> He's just sitting here waiting few, for a pig a to come out. Can't you just pick him up and... He's obviously okay. disturbed because he has the mark of the beast in his head. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is the well, one. Is, the... is Gertrude still back in the thing? Yeah. Okay, we need to bring Gertrude out. Yeah. Oh, Elon. <laughs> oh, they, they had another pig come out? That was a different pig. He does. Whose pig is this? Oh, this dude, isn't my pig. Demos. This is real live demo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Maybe we can zoom in to do Gertrude or something. How great would it be if Peter just really busted in right now at the back of a pen and extracted the pigs? Gertrude is not the one with the the Neuralink is not cooperating. Mm. Interesting. This is the this is the fail moment. The, ball bearing in <laughs> the, the window moment. The window. Can you see her? Or? Oh, right. Gertrude's dead. <laughs> Come on, Gertrude. Waiting for a pig. All right, it's my pig sack. Oh, great. All right. Um, well, this, this worked earlier. Elon um, needs some, uh, some vamping lessons from us, I think. Oh, yeah, he needs, he needs a hype man. <laughs> Fill the time. Fill the time, Elon. Is that him? <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> there was a pig that came in, but apparently it wasn't the right one again. For the non-video listeners, we are All just right, staring well, at a blank cage waiting for a pig to come out and there is a screen what, above what we, that i think showing lift the curtain and then zoom in lift the curtain and zoom in and okay. just pick the pig up or what i you know i think I they're trying know. i think they're trying to never, pick, pick I, I bet right. they're heavy here we go great okay there we go there he is great. <laughs> hey gertrude okay this is a, this is a high energy pig what is that um, noise? Right. That's the presentation. Gertrude, thanks for coming out. Um, so what you're, the, the oh, beats you're the hearing pig? are real-time signals from the neural link in Gertrude's head. So this neural link connects to neurons that are uh, in her snout. So whenever she snuffles around and touches something with her snout, uh, that sends out uh, neural spikes, which are detected here. Um, and so on the screen, not um, distracting you at can all. See, uh, each each of the, the spikes from the thousand and twenty-four electrodes, and and then if you if she yeah if she snuffles around, touches this out in the ground, or you kind of feed her some food. Pigs love food. Um, then uh, you you can see the neurons um, will fire much more than when you're not touching this now, and uh, that's what's making the, the beeping sound. Okay. All right. All cool. Right. So as you can see. Uh, we have a uh, healthy and happy pig, um, initially shy, but obviously high energy and, and uh, you know, kind of loving life. And uh, she's had the implant for two months. So Ooh, this is a months. healthy and happy pig with an implant that is two, month old, two months old and working well. Yeah. 
All right, cool. <laughs> um, and then um, we actually have, I'm sure, <laughs> I hope this works, is, so we said, well, what if we do two Neuralink implants? Um, and oh. we've been able to uh, do uh, dual Neuralink implants uh, in, um, actually, I think three pigs at this point, and we have a couple of them here. Um, and we've been able to show that you can actually have multiple Neuralinks implanted. Um, oh, and again, healthy and happy and indistinguishable from a normal pig. So, How does he know um, they're happy? So it's possible <laughs> to have multiple links in your, in your head and really have them all be sending out signals Elon. and be working well. Is, is he going to have a... All right. <laughs> okay. Do you they're get to hear the, the double beeps? Yeah, the double beep or some kind of double... Uh, all right, so we just showed you a demonstration of uh, reading brain activity. And um, <laughs> see, people saying they're making pork chops um, tonight. As I was saying, <laughs> uh, each of those dots represents a neural spike. And the, um, the, the blue chart at the bottom is showing an accumulation of neural spikes in that region. It's showing mm. some kind of like a chart. Okay. So, a reading brain we've activity. Been able to, in, in we've been able to read brain activity. Uh, brain for reading activity. Uh, when here. we have, um, say, um, one of our pigs on a treadmill, <laughs> pig on a treadmill. <laughs> um, it's a funny, funny concept, really. Um, and we joke. Uh, take the, the readings from the neurons, and we try to predict the posi position of the joints. Um, and so we say we have the predicted position of the joints, and then we, we measure the actual position of the joints. You can see that they're almost exactly aligned. So we're able with um, a wireless neural, imp neural implant to actually predict the position of, of all of the limbs uh, in the pig's body oh, uh, with, with very high accuracy. All right. <clears throat> now, in terms of, of writing to the brain or stim stimulating neurons, uh, we also need pr precise control of the electric field in, in space and time. We need a wide range of current for different brain regions. Uh, some, some regions require delicate stimulation, some require a lot of current, uh, and, and you want obviously no harm to the brain over time. Um, and the way we, um, part of the way we analyze the, the stimulate, stimulating neurons uh, is with a two photon uh, microscopy. I, I always have trouble pronouncing that microscopy. Um, and uh, it's very impressive technology. You can actually literally see in real time uh, how the neurons are firing. So uh, the, the red sort of things are the neurons, the red, red sort of flashing things are the neurons uh, firing, or I should say the, uh, uh, the electrodes firing. So the red things are electrodes firing, and then the green are the neuron bodies responding to uh, the current from the electrode. Just, uh, so you can see them lighting up different brain regions. Uh, and then by carefully controlling the electric field, you can actually have one electrode uh, influence possibly 1,000 or 10,000 neurons. So although you might only have 1,000 electrodes implanted, you could be influencing um, millions of neurons. Hmm. Now he's talking about the chip influencing uh, the brain. This is just a, a similar chart brain. showing uh, stimulation at different uh, yeah. power levels. The title on the screen is Writing Brain Activity. So, like for the initial device, it's read-write in every channel uh, with about 1,024 channels, all-day battery life, uh, recharges overnight, uh, has quite a long uh, range. So you can, you can, you can have uh, the range, uh, the range being to your phone, I should say. That's um, kind of an important thing. This would connect to uh, your phone. Um, and actually, the, so the, the application uh, would be on your phone. 
and, the, and mm, it would be great. communicating by, by essentially Bluetooth low energy to the device in your head. Um, that's why I say it, in a lot of ways it is like a Fitbit in your skull with tiny wires. So Bluetooth right in your skull. Um, and then, like I said, it, you would not be able to see the device at all. It would, you would look completely normal and just have a small scar uh, under your hair. Mm. And we're making good progress towards clinical studies. Um, I'm excited to announce that we received a, a breakthrough device designation from the FDA in July, uh, thanks to the hard work of the Neuralink team. So, <laughs> Sticking to humans, all right, let's clap for that one. So I want to be clear, we're working closely with the FDA um, and we'll, um, we'll be extremely rigorous. In fact, we will, um, we will significantly, significantly exceed the minimum FDA guidelines for uh, safety. We will make this uh, as safe as possible. Um, you know, just as with, with Tesla, while it is legally possible to ship a one-star car, at Tesla, we, the only cars we make are five stars in, in every category. Uh, so uh, we, we actually maximize safety and we'll take the same approach here at Neuralink. Um, and then to emphasize again uh, what the goal of this presentation the battery is, is will not explode. we want um, people who are great at solving problems to join the company and help us uh, complete this device, uh, you take care of the animals, engineering at um, write the software, <laughs> uh, create the chips, um, and, um, and, and productionize everything. Um, so we need like robotics engineers. I, know we, we, I think we also especially need people who have worked on on product, worked on and shipped products. So if you've like shipped a smartwatch or a phone uh, or you know, any kind of complex electronics or complex device um, or advanced medical devices, uh, we'd love for you to contact us and consider working here. So, um, and, and a very important point to emphasize is that you do not need to have prior experience on brains. So a lot Ooh. of people think, well, I couldn't possibly work Neuralink because I don't know anything about how brains work. That's okay, you can learn, um, but we need software engineering, we need mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, like I said, chip design, robotics, um, and uh, all the things that a company needs uh, to work. So uh, please uh, send in your resume. Actually, it's not just engineering, <laughs> obviously every, everything, everything in your link. So um, now uh, let's actually move to questions. So we've piled questions that have been asked over the internet and uh, so we'll do live Q&A. Uh, so bring in a bunch of people from the Neuralink team. They're all wearing masks. Yeah, I noticed right. Elon wasn't wearing his mask there. He's exempt. Oh, yeah. He has the chip. You know, he's, he's a billionaire. <laughs> Interesting uh, setup here. They're in some kind of warehouse, it looks like. Yeah, very low-key event. Yeah. Very low-key event, small tables, kind, no real social distancing. All right, but so if you have any questions, uh, please submit your questions to uh, the uh, Neuralink Twitter account, and we will try to answer as many questions as we can. Should we try to um, send a question? Over the next hour. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, shoot. We should send a feel question. Feel free to ask hard questions. That's no problem. And we'll, we'll do our best might to not. answer them. Um, yeah. right, I know, I'm trying to think of a question that he would actually answer. Perfect. Yes, we, we will continue like... monitoring questions until the end of the event, so please keep sending them in over Twitter. Yep. Yelan, do you want to come join us? Sure. I'm going to pull up the Twitter All right, account so the first here. question is, how is the spike detection implemented? Is it on the ASIC? Is it hardware and software updatable? Is it on the ASIC? Uh, yes. Uh, uh -huh. 
Uh, yeah, I can answer that. So um, uh, I'm Paul. I work. Um, I've had a few different hats. I've worked a little bit on digital chip design, and more recently working on some of the algorithms, uh, trying to decode the signals from the brain. And the spike detection algorithm. Uh, there's historically been many ways of detecting spikes. Typically, people will record data offline and then look for characteristic shapes. Um, but here, we're interested in detecting spikes online. And there's a number of simple algorithms that you can do. For example, like <laughs> Your detecting eyes, just man. Uh, a threshold. I've been trying and to keep it under control. We're, I can't, we've been uh, interested in doing a little bit better than that. So we actually look for uh, particular shapes. Specifically, shapes I mean, a simple one spikes. would be. And so we're doing this on the chip. Um, it's for I all talk thousands of uh, two-factor electrodes. There's bandpass <laughs> filtering that's, that's funny. happening on Definitely the chip. So if you think of these as like little microphones sending audio We're information. We're not signed into All of that in real time, here. and then looking for these characteristic shapes. Um, you can configure what sort of shapes you're looking for, and that information is what's being sent out. The raw information coming from electrodes is way too much. Should ask to if there's developer kits so for the app store. When you're seeing those beautiful spike rasters on the screen, those are the detections mm. that um, we we have coming straight from the chips. Got it. And just for everyone who doesn't know, can you just explain at a basic level what a spike is? Sure. So, so uh, traditionally, um, people think of spikes or action potentials as the electrical events that happen uh, in neurons and as the primary form of communication between neurons. Um, and so this is a uh, hysteresis event where you have currents that flow ask, and generate the this. Uh, you can think of it as being a digital airport signal. security? Uh, a one or a zero that's being sent in time. Um, where neurons will send that signal to set off, uh, uh, often thousands of metal uh, detectors neurons. or will uh, magnetic. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. So I got a question from Toby on Twitter. He asks, what can be further done to simplify the device installation progress? Ooh, you probably can't get an MRI after so you get it. We're working on making the device as small as possible, of course, uh, with the robot taking more and more of the responsibility away from error-prone human surgeons, uh, we're hoping to make the process faster and safer. Actually, it might be good for people to say, you know, who they are and what they do. Oh, I'm Matthew McDougall. I'm uh, the neurosurgeon, the head neurosurgeon at Neuralink. Thanks, Matt. Is there anything uh, specifically from the robot? Uh, that can be done to make this faster and safer and scalable to billions of people. Um, yeah, I guess we've started with just implementing, you know, robot manipulating the threads. Um, but we definitely need to expand to essentially doing the entire surgery with the robot. Um, so there's nothing like really, f uh, as far as I can tell, fundamentally like stopping us from doing that. Um, sort of like at a fundamental science level. Um, it hasn't been done in the past, I think, probably just because uh, like volumes of surgeries hasn't been needed. Um, but specifically for us to scale up to you know many hundreds of thousands or millions of patients, um, we will need to automate like the, the entire surgery, essentially. Awesome. Thank you, Ian. Uh, Garrett asks, what are some of the lower bandwidth activities to target first? Is it muscle movement? Is it auditory signals? What level of bandwidth is required for effective use? Oh, my eyeball has officially fallen off. <laughs> so there's a couple of... Joey, uh, Joey just to say who you are and what you do. Oh. Should I auction it? Hi, my name Should is Joey Dory. I'm a neuroscientist and neuroengineer <laughs> working on decoding from the brain. Um, so there's some low-hanging fruit that I think can really be impactful to help many people's lives, and that's restoring movement and communication in, for example, a spinal cord-injured patient. 
Um, and there's a lot of antecedents in the academic world where there have been very nice demonstrations of doing this. And we think we can take our technology and really bring that uh, to the home, something people can take home with them and improve their lives. Fantastic. Gil, there's Talking a fun one next. Improving lives. Yeah, so we're fielding questions from Twitter, so there's going to be some funny, <laughs> funny comments. Um, first question is, who are you and what do you do? I'll lead with that. And the question is, can is the Neuralink chip allow you do? to summon your Tesla telepathically? Uh, yeah. Definitely, of course. <laughs> you heard it here first. There That's a definite, 100%. You can summon your Carlos, Tesla that telepathically. Is the answer. That was right. Um, it's just <laughs> one bit of information. Yeah, it's very easy. That's an easy one. Actually, Max, this might be a question for you. Is um, yeah, like w some of the questions we had on Twitter was I can't log into Twitter. How do you see the Neuralink device and the essentially API uh, growing over time and allowing developers to interact with the device? Oh, that was my question. So block, 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 blockchain. About That's whether out. you do decoding on head or on a phone or on a computer. <laughs> Ultimately, so at a thousand channels, it's possible to send all the spike data to a phone and do processing there. Um, as this gets bigger and bigger, you're going to be more constrained by the radio, so you're going to want to push more of it. Ask this about on head, getting MRIs. That changes your programming I did. model. Um, okay. But. Really, the, the APIs you're getting are either bin spikes, you're getting raw waveforms, and that's like, you can consume it basically like an audio feed. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's worth noting like the lossless compression of the data stream is about 100 kilobits with 1,024 channels. Excellent. So this one came up a lot, and this particular question is from Yosef, but will this technology ever be used for gaming? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Dumb questions. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think that a good benchmark of does it work well on humans is can a quadriplegic does it work well enough for them to play StarCraft? Yeah. I think that's a good functional target. Yeah. Super cool benchmark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. We'll pull out uh, pull out back, uh, from the Twitter questions that are kind of funny. Um, this is a question for the efficacy of the device. Um, right now, is the device limited to surface layers of the brain only? Or can we go deeper? And if not now, what's holding us back from going deeper into the brain? We are planning on modifying the device and the robot to be able to sew into arbitrary depths of the brain. Uh, right now, we're limiting ourselves only to the cortical surface uh, because that simplifies many of the problems in, involved with going a lot deeper. And what, Although, kinds of, what kinds of things can you solve on the cortical surface versus when you go deeper? Sure. So um, a lot of the low-level processing happens in the cortex um, in terms of um, motor intentions, sensory information that comes directly in. Um, so your hearing, your auditory percepts, your visual processing, a lot of that happens in the cortex. I mean, you could, you could solve blindness. Blindness, yeah. um, you could solve paralysis, you can solve hearing. You can solve a lot if, with just by interfacing with the cortex. And uh, to be clear, we, we actually do insert, um, I guess, about uh, three or four millimeters into the cortex. So uh, these these are th these electrodes are uh, sensing from uh, multiple layers within the cortex. Mm -hmm. um, it's that there are uh, deeper brain systems like that are underneath your cortex, uh, like the hypothalamus, um, and uh, I think that is something we'd want to interface with for sure. Um, because that's, that's going to be important for curing things like uh, depression, addiction, that kind of thing, uh, anxiety. Um, so, but yeah, like, as, like I said in the presentation, overall we're aiming for a general purpose device 
Um, and really, the thing that would would change between inter from interfacing with the cortex versus deep brain systems is kind of the, the length of the electrode. Um, so we just need kind of longer wires and to uh, adjust the robot uh, in order to access deeper regions of the brain. This is deep. Uh, Ian, did but, you but have anything now, to add? The robot is designed, like, <laughs> yeah. the full length is like seven centimeters or eight centimeters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so right now we're designed for like six millimeters. The actuator itself isn't actually limited uh, to six millimeters. It can go much deeper. Um, that's sort of, uh, in, in addition to scaling out sort of to the rest of the surgery, uh, also scaling to deeper, which is mostly a sensing problem. So the ability to avoid deep vasculature um, is sort of an interesting problem that we're working on in the robotics world um, here. So, yeah. Hmm. Uh, Six millimeters, that's not deep at all. And you're really leading robot engineering. Yeah, sorry, I'm Ian. Uh, I lead the ro robotics pro program here. <laughs> you're my question. <laughs> Robot is a man's best friend. Um, all right, next question Robot is, is what is a man's the most challenging friend. problem that must be solved in Wake order to up, meet ultimate goal? Well, I, I think uh, one of the hardest problems is kind of, I'd say, material science and uh, the, especially the uh, installation of the electrodes. Uh, what would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Also, you want to introduce yourself. <laughs> so I'm Felix Deku. Um, I currently lead the microfabrication team. Uh, my team uh, makes up of a group of uh, uh, process engineers and material scientists, and our job is to make the tiny wires, as Elon referred to them, uh, what we call the threads um, that are implanted in the brain. And of course, uh, it's, the threads are made of you know, uh, conductors and insulators, um, and choosing the right material uh, that is uh, amenable to the brain and compact with the brain is something that our team uh, have expertise on, and, and we work uh, seriously on interface engineering uh, just to make sure that our layers uh, are actually well thought through, well designed, um, and at the end of the day, when we implant this device, they'll be actually functional uh, for either reading or for writing uh, in the brain. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's going to be important from, in terms of, uh, of material science problems is uh, making sure that the, the threads, the, the electrodes, can uh, last for decades uh, in the brain, uh, which is a, a tricky thing because it's a, it's a very corrosive environment. Um, and uh, you're, you're in a dichotomy where you, you want to read and you, you want to sense electrical signals and you want to generate electrical signals. Um, and uh, but you don't want to corrode the electrodes over time. So you need to have an insulating layer that is very robust, but also very, very thin. Um, it, it, can't, it has to be just the right amount of insulation, and it has to stay that amount of insulation over time. So this is why I think we think probably like a silicon carbide type um, insulator is, is probably the best uh, long term from a material science standpoint. But it's, silicon carbide is a tough material to work with, uh, but it's, it's some, that's probably the right choice long term, would you say? Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Oh. Um, um, awesome. And it's also, apart from its electrical properties, um, it also helps with adhesion between the metal layers and the, and the polymer substrate. Um, another thing that we're also looking at is, since we're actually reducing the electric dimensions, the electrocyte, the actual side that actually speaks to the neuron, um, also have what we call high resistance uh, to the signal. So we actually look into like material engineering that will reduce the impedance at that interface so that we can actually um, <coughs> have a very small electrocyte but still be able to speak uh, clearly to the, to the neuron. Yeah. And when you guys say thin, how thin? Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, how thin. Uh, so one strand of your hair is about 100 microns in diameter. Uh, we can think about dividing that into 20. So, uh, you know, our, 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 our one of one the eye. thickness that we work in is about <laughs> five microns. Thought about um, getting some tape. We have this possibility to go there. even thinner uh, yeah, in the nearest future. Uh, yeah, we, th we think we can probably go sub-micron in, in thickness, uh, but it, obviously as the thinner, you, the thinner you make the wire, the harder it is to sense the signal and to do stimulation, because uh, there's less cross-sectional area for the current to traverse. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, in terms of, of upgrades, that's part of why I wanted to show the, the X-planted uh, plug, uh, is to show that you can actually take the, uh, the device out, um, and uh, there's no observable behavior change. The, the pig is as happy as before. Um, and healthy, and I think this is going to be important for. Keeps going uh, back upgrades. to this happy um, thing. Because obviously, if you, if you get an early device. Yeah, he's really then, concerned about um, our, the our happiness. We, let's say you get version one. The uh, pig probably is by happy. the time we have the version three happy. or four. You can be um, happy too. You want to you upgrade. Um, you wouldn't want version one of a phone, and you know, 10 years later, everyone's got version three or four. So uh, it's going to be important to be able to remove the device uh, and upgrade it over time. So, um, so over time, the, your, the, the neural link would, would do even more than it did before. That awesome. is how time works. So here's a question about the device. We have been talking a lot about read speeds and write, or we haven't talked about read or write speeds. DJ, what are the read and write speeds of the device? If you think of it like a computer. Sorry, when you say speed, what do you mean? <laughs> like, how quickly can you read information from the brain, and how quickly can you write information in the brain? Okay, so let's see. So one of the things to highlight is that we. What well, DJ? What do you work on? <laughs> yes, my name is DJ Sa. I'm leading implant electronics development. Like a chip design. And a chip designer, electronic yeah, engineer. Yeah. Um, so uh, the prototype that we were showing. It has 1,024 channels. All of those channels are capable of recording and also stimulating. And in terms of recording, as Paul mentioned, we do have on-chip algorithms to do a level of compression and extracting the signals of interest, in this case, spikes, uh, neural spikes. Sure. And those things are actually happening uh, at a much faster speed than your brain even is processing those information. Well, do you want to and say like things like time resolution, like uh, you know, within how many milliseconds can you detect a spike, and what's the you know just some technical yeah. data? So, um, in terms of the signals that we're collecting, um, you know, we're digitizing them at 20 kilohertz. Uh, generally, the signals of interest are anywhere between about a millisecond. Uh, in, in width, and so we sort of sample it at 20 times that speed. And uh, we have analog to digital converters that um, divide that into 1024 levels, so 10 bit resolution. And um, the spike detection Isn't that is done in particular bit less rate? than 900 nanosecond, which is really, really a fast time. And it's only sort of determined by rate. the speed mm. of the clock. And for low, making sure that our implant is low power, we're running them actually at a very slow speed. Um, and then for stimulation, you know, we can actually create any arbitrary waveforms with about seven microsecond of resolution. So you, basically, whatever you want to draw, we can stimulate and generate those pulses through any combination of our electrodes. And, and this is just uh, version 0 0.9, or you know, aspirationally version one. Um, as we go to version two, three, four, th these things will expand. I think um, ultimately by orders of magnitude, many orders of magnitude. Uh, Great. Uh, Everyday Tesla asks, how big is the Neuralink team and how much do you expect it to grow in the near future? Uh, okay, we can about talk over this question. Right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think over time, 
Unless yeah, they're there looking for some uh, lovable um, commentators so over there at Neuralink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you would have done yeah, exactly. a better the job of getting people hyped. Dude, I would do that. I would do that yeah, for just a couple <laughs> I would risk ago. the uh, Illuminati um, shill so, accusations. Um, Plus yeah, I could like sneak in little canary cry code into Neuralink broadcasts. That's a super linear relationship. Yeah. Well, we might need a million, million people at the company then. <laughs> yeah, super, super, yeah, more, even more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ideally, like, yeah, yeah, super linear. <laughs> Ask what the our return policy is. Determined by our channel counts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe it's t 10 to 1 ratio or something. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, Twitter asks How does the implant system fare against various disturbances from the outside, like electrical? Magnetic. Uh, this is kind of the question I asked. Radio. Yeah, so the current version of the implant that we have is using Bluetooth low energy radio. So um, similar to any Bluetooth devices that are out there, you know, they, they are able to coexist with other devices that are using and sharing our same spectrum in 2.4 gigahertz. Um, obviously, as you imagine, you know, when you go to concerts or there's just a lot of people, um, the signal quality does degrade because it is a pretty congested spectrum. So we are actually working on some new versions of the radio that are operating at different frequencies to be able to also send out a lot more data and have it be scalable to, you know, millions of electrodes. Um, and then also in terms of sort of electromagnetic compatibility and interferences, um, Obviously, it's very important for us to coexist with other systems and just disturbances out there. So um, there are also well-documented guidelines from FDA that we'll be following and doing a lot of testing for. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, we are going to take an audience question. Uh, Fred, Ooh. take it away. We got to so pull that robot. Robots are a man's link. best friend. But quote. what are some likely first applications? Well, I don't know if we all want to play StarCraft. Um, there are other games. <laughs> there are other games to play, exactly. But also StarCraft. I, yeah. <laughs> um, so our, our first clinical trial is aimed at uh, people with paraplegia or, or tetraplegia, uh, so cervical spinal cord injury. We're going to enroll, uh, mm. we plan to enroll a small number of patients. Tetraplegia. Uh, to make sure the device is safe and that it works in that case. That, like five, uh, yeah, so you can't actually just to elaborate on I don't that. Know. I got to um, Google if somebody has, um, like a severe spinal cord injury, uh, you know, to the degree that they, they even they have um, very limited control even uh, over their facial muscles, uh, then uh, but, but with with this implant, you can actually uh, think just just by thinking, you can output. Um, words and you can you can type and you can control a computer, Prove control it. a phone. And uh, which is pretty pretty wild, and I think something that's very exciting as a long-term application is if you can if you can sense what somebody is trying to do with their limbs, what they want to do with their limbs, um, then you can actually uh, uh, do a second implant that's at the base of the spine or or wherever just after wherever the spinal injury occurred, and you can you can create a neural shunt. Uh, so we, I, I think long-term, I'm confident that long-term uh, it will be possible to restore somebody's full body motion. So if somebody even has a severed spine, they will uh, be able to walk again. Same yeah. thing they as synonym. Yeah. Um, and like when you have a severed spinal cord, you essentially have a broken, broken wires. Um, 
you know. And so if, if you can just jump over those wires and transmit the singles, signals over those wires, uh, you can give somebody. You know who just uh, recently got some spine severed naturally. situation? Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake. So DJ, you talked about outside interference. Can anyone talk about the Irrelevant. inside interference? So how to protect the implant from the body? Ooh. Sure, I can talk about that. Uh, my name is Robin. I'm a mechanical engineer, and I lead the implant um, mechanical packaging and assembly team, so actually making the devices and um, designing the seal. So, yeah, the body's not a friendly place designing to be. Designing the seal. So um, what seal. we do is basically create an accelerated wow. test uh, chamber that can mimic the conditions that the devices will see in the body. And... Um, basically test the devices at as fast as accelerated rate as we can. Um, at, this, at this time, we're limited temperature-wise by uh, some of the electronics components. But um, basically, we can sub test subsystems to mimic the environment in the body. And by that, we've brought some devices in the tester right now to almost a year. And um, uh, all the implanted ones uh, prior to these implants, we had, had tested the same architecture in the tester to validate it. And um, yeah, so there's obviously chemical um, things attacking the implant. Um, there's there's pressure. There's um, mechanical shock and vibration. Maybe so all these things it's are not part supposed of it. Um, to be. And, yeah. How do we get our bodies to not reject everything insourced in house? So we have the capability to deposit thin layers of metal. We have the capability to weld uh, glass and machine micron scale. Um, with lasers and yeah, so basically we have all the tools in house to be able to design any sort of sealing, enclosure, packaging that we need to do. Awesome, thank you Robin. Uh, another question from Twitter, will you be able to save and replay memories in the future? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, yes, I think uh, in the future you will be able to save and re replay Hard memories. Hard zoom into Elon. Um, <laughs> the future. Increasingly like a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> Um, but, uh, well, I guess they're pretty good at predicting. Um, but yeah, essentially, if, if you have a whole RAIN interface, everything that's encoded in memory, you could, uh, you could upload. You could basically yep. store your memories um, as a backup and restore the memories. Um, and ultimately, you could potentially download them into a new body or into a robot body. There you go. The future's going to be weird. There it is. <laughs> The future is going to be weird. weird. So I can't help but Writing notice that, that the pigs back there are pretty well behaved and pretty darn cute. Can anyone talk about me? Okay, I'm looking at Otto over here. First, can you <laughs> tell everyone who you are and uh, what you do here? And can you describe, like, how are they so well behaved and so smart? Well, <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm Autumn, and um, I lead our animal care program. And... Our philosophy here is to set up a system where the animals are able to volunteer, to make choices, to participate in our projects. As What's, you see, sometimes what? they choose not to participate, and that's okay. We want to make sure that our animals are happy and healthy. So um, all of the uh, behavioral research that we do is led by positive reinforcement. And again, that allows for them to choose to volunteer or not. Choose to That's volunteer? <laughs> Behavioral, yeah, so they're... they're Hi, I'm Sam, um, <laughs> one of the okay. veterinarians here. I work closely with Autumn, uh, taking care of the animals. And yeah, it's 
just emphasizing what Robin said, the whole animal care program here, in fact, the whole company here is very dedicated to promoting the care of these animals. Um, we, you know, everybody's involved, everybody's very interested in making sure that they're taken care of. And yeah, the, the program from top to bottom is designed to make sure that they can express their species-specific behaviors, express, um, you know, choose to do things. We don't force things upon them as much as possible. And yeah, that, that's why you see the pigs happily rooting around the straw right now and generally being very content. And they do have those natural little smiles on their faces, which is yeah. ever delightful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next question is, what programming language are you guys using for de developing the device? <laughs> several. C++. JavaScript. Yeah, we use uh, several different types of programming <laughs> languages. Um, so for chip Silk. development, uh, a lot of Verilog. Little, little for coder doing joke. level programming at the uh, kind of the register transfer level. Um, as you go up higher and higher, Python. they're, you know, Flash. C, C++, Python. <laughs> but to be honest, like at the end of the day, it's not, you know, which programming language do you know how to use? It's do you know the principles behind, you know, uh, uh, coming up with just methods to uh, enable these systems to work? Um, so I think, you know, if you have any experience in programming and you've been building things since you're little, uh, you should really come join us. Yeah, but can I play Crisis? <laughs> Eventually. Good one. Elon. It, it can play Crisis. Cool. Crisis confirmed. And then Ian, what about <laughs> yeah? Ian, what about uh, the uh, robot? What kind of programming languages and tech stacks are you using over there? Um, I mean, sort of just reiterating what DJ said. Uh, sort of doesn't matter. Um, like specifically for Sorry. us, it's there's real-time, low-level platform, C++, some Java and Python scripts. This is the kind um, of guy really that shouldn't be wearing a mask. Like pragmatic choices really can't to essentially optimize for getting. Uh, like productive work done. Um, so it doesn't really matter what your background is um, or necessarily what the tools you use are. It's more just can you like accomplish things really quickly. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Uh, this next question is from this is Rex. They're wondering can this device be used to explain consciousness? Ooh, deep In one. In the long term, of course. I can, I can certainly shed some light on, on consciousness. Oh, Elon. This is, this is a really interesting question. I, I think the answer is yes. And I think one of the reasons that consciousness is so hard is because like anything in physics, you're looking at a mapping from X to Y, where X is the neuronal correlate, it's the thing that's happening then physically, and then Y is this phenomenal state. And historically, we've been unable to observe the neuronal correlates very well. And unless it's in you, we've been unable to observe the phenomenal state. So as soon as you were able, neuroscientists are able to personally get these tools where they can see the correlates and they can have the experience, I think the hard problem will vanish very quickly. I mean, what I find remarkable is that the universe started out as like quarks and leptons, we'll call it like you know hydrogen, and uh, and then after a long time, well, what seems like a long time to us, the hydrogen became sentient. It gradually got more complex, and uh, and then it, you know, but we were basically you know hydrogen evolved, um, and uh, and and somewhere along the way that hydrogen started talking and thought it was conscious. Ooh, often pretty hard over there. I like the, uh, the joke that it turns out that if you bombard Earth with photons for long enough, it'll emit a Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. Good one. Oh, wow. Weird, 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 <laughs> weird yeah. laughing. It's so just they science. teach you in school. It's just science. Um, yeah, so, so there's a lot of uh, Twitter comments coming in about 
a question that I think is on everyone's mind, no pun intended. Okay. What is the security of the device look like? What kind of precautions are being taked, uh, taken and Taked. What does the future look like for the security of the system? So for, first and foremost, uh, privacy and security are top priorities at Neuralink, um, especially given the sensitivity of the data that we're collecting. And <laughs> yeah, your brain. one of the things that we're ensuring <laughs> is to make sure that a lot of the interactions with the brain data is going to be encrypted and authenticated properly. And I think this has been kind of a sort of recurring theme, but one of the things that we have the ability to do at Neuralink is that we work on every layer of the product from chip design to source code. And it really gives us a unique opportunity to embed security as part of our design from the get-go and to make sure that there are no single points of failure. So if, as an example, uh, we can actually completely isolate sensitive modules like the BLE radio by just segregating it out at the hardware level. And, um, and, and really making sure that we protect the I.O. to the brain away from uh, any potential attacks and really minimizing the attack surface. And you know, we have in-house security expertise and we're also working with external parties to um, you know, do audits Darpa. and perform penetration testing. Excellent, thank you, DJ. Uh, well, actually, is there, is, there any, is there a point that anybody here wants to make that has not been asked in a question, but you think should be a question? Anyone? Ooh. Ooh. Such yeah. an inclusive boss. So, hey, I'm Zach. I work on microfabrication team. I help making implants. And uh, one thing that I think is really cool, just in general, is that um, you know, this, this is a platform, essentially, so we can change the design up. Uh, in a variety of ways. So if we find that a certain design or electrode size or number of electrodes works better in different areas of the brain, we have the capability to do that. I personally think that's very cool. Okay, Fantastic. Tim. Anyone else? Dan, do you have something to add? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that's allowed us to make such fast progress in the last few months is the use of pigs as, as a model. Mm. And we started out using choosing pigs because of the very similar anatomy of their skull to humans, same thickness and similar kind of uh, membrane, dural membrane. But then as time went on, we realized that pigs are actually uh, have amazing other properties. You can train them to walk on treadmills. You can uh, um, train them to do all kinds of tricks. And, and also that they have this large representation of the snout in the cortex, which you can very easily stimulate. So uh, the question would be, why are we using pigs? And I think um, we've even surprised ourselves at how, how useful they are as a model in this respect. And another important point is that it's very easy to keep pigs happy. Um, they, they have very low Back uh, to the happiness uh, needs, of the pigs. And so uh, we can build an environment in which uh, they have um, amazingly good welfare. Yeah, it's, it seems very happy about food. Yeah, it's easy to make pigs happy, basically. <laughs> they, they love food. They re pigs really love food. This is a true thing about pigs. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, if, if it, that they're, yeah, give them like you know, sort of some straw and some things to play with and some friends to hang out with and good food, and they're, they're, they're happy as pigs. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then, yeah, they're, uh, pigs are actually quite similar to people. So that's. Uh, oh. You know, if, if we're going to figure out things for people, then you pigs in human choice. clothing. And, uh, <laughs> we're just, we're they're just, all, they're we're just like pigs, creatures, like little tanks. Um, and and then I think one of the questions was like, what if, like is is the device itself robust? And it's like, well, you know, pigs they bustle around quite a lot, and they they bump into things, and they they they, they headbutt each other at times, and um, 
they're, they're pretty animated. So if the device is lasting in the pig, going through um, TSA though. Uh, therefore, we already months, know pigs are a uh, great vessel for um, demons. That's a good sign so that, that was important. Is, uh, robust for people. Yeah, we mentioned that. Fantastic. Uh, one common theme that's been coming up a lot on these Twitter questions coming in is that of availability. And so Matthias has a specific question on this, which is any estimate of how much it will cost at launch and what price it will reduce to over time? There we go. Brass tax, baby. Well, I, I think at, at launch, it's probably going to be. It, it, I, I would say that's not really representative because um, at first I think it's it's going to be, you know, quite expensive, but that price will very rapidly drop, um, and I think over time we want to get the the cost um, obviously down as low as possible, um, but I think um, I inclusive of the automated surgery, I think we want to get the the, the the price down to a few thousand dollars, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that's possible. I think it should be possible to get it similar to um, LASIK and, and then the uh, device electronics itself, um, I think will, will not be very expensive um, because it actually does, does use a lot of the parts that are made in extremely high volume in tens of millions of, of units uh, for uh, smartphones and, and smartwatches and wearables in general. Great, so here's another question about the device. What does the architecture look like? Is it a CPU, ARM CPU? What's going on inside the device that you can talk about, DJ? So I, I can talk a little bit about the digital architecture. It's uh, fully custom. Uh, one of the most difficult challenges, I think, of, of building an implant is the energy density. So um, the more electrodes you record from, the more energy you're going to be consuming. And so there's just, there was nothing commercial out there. So there's an analog front end that's able to amplify these really small signals like microvolt range so that we can actually digitize them. And then take those signals and then find exactly what we're looking for. And there was nothing out there that could basically do those two things. And so that's why we had to build a full custom ASIC. Um, and so there's really, um, yeah, there's nothing out, you know, like it out there. It's um, um, designed specifically to record signals from the brain and, um, anything else is, is, would just be wasting energy. Yeah, so the thing that I would add to that is, um, so there are obviously elements that we customize from, from ground up, uh, like our neural amplifiers and some of the algorithms that we develop, but a lot of the other systems around it are really borrowing from um, parts that have already been productionized and available from the wearables industry, so uh -oh, BLE radio, um, a lot yeah. of the low power microprocessors that are part of it, Might a lot lagging. of small sensors. It is. So, um, it, there are obviously the neural sensors that we're developing that gives us kind of a unique data set for our applications, but really a lot of that is getting packaged up and you know just not really resisting the industry that's been um, sort of been laid out to uh, really create these devices with very short amount of time. So here's another question about the integrity of the device, more from a mechanical perspective. So you're replacing a piece of bone and replacing it with uh, an implant. And then the person is gonna take that home. How does the integrity of the device fare to, compared to, I don't know, bone or, or something similar? Um, sure, well, I think uh, Matt's probably replaced a lot of pieces of skull with plastic and other materials. So I don't know if you can talk about some of those. Like for fun? Um, but yeah, basically, I mean, we can 
we know that what the mechanical properties <laughs> Definitely of bone are, and we know what the stresses on the device well, are going to be. So it's fairly easy to just plastic. go from first loves principles it, and design for any condition that it might see. Yeah, and, I mean, as you can see from the pigs, as I was saying earlier, the, the implants are, are obviously very robust because um, I mean, pigs move around vigorously. They roll around. They, they, they bang into the wall. They bang into each other. Um, they do like headbutting, um, and way more than people do. Um, so, uh, well, sure. Um, but you know, like it's not like the pigs are just w walking around very delicately. Um, they're they're high energy creatures, and uh, I think it's it's clear that the the, the implants are you know has been going for a few months, still going strong. Uh, despite a lot of vigorous activity for, from the pig, and the, the, it's, it's difficult. You can't just explain to the pig, hey, you've got an implant in your head, why don't you take care of it? Um, so it's got to really? be robust uh, against uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, head impacts, essentially. So um, you know, I think maybe one of the things that, that isn't super obvious is that the, the implant itself is attached to the skull, but the, uh, the electrodes um, have long threads. So you can have quite a lot of movement uh, relative movement between the brain and the skull uh, without putting uh, attention on the electrodes that are inserted in the um, in the cortex. So, well, let's see. With that, maybe a, a couple more questions, or if, if anybody wants to make some comments, and and then we'll call it a day. Woo. So I just want to add to what you just said. Um, so the thread is actually also in the brain, uh, also um, because of their thinness, and uh, they're actually very flexible. And so as the pig is moving around and banging your head, the, the threads actually move with the brain, even uh, the normal pulsation of, of, of the brain. And that helps minimize uh, stress within the brain tissue also. And that has a long-term uh, impact on the functionality of the device. Zach, how long are the threads? Well, right now they're about 43 millimeters, but uh, like I said, it's tunable. So if we want to hit deep brain regions oh, or, or some other brain millimeters. area, like we totally can do that. It just it's felt pretty long. Like said about uh, the threads moving around with the brain. I mean, that, that's great for protecting the threads, but it equally serves to protect the tissue around it. We have a lot of different ways to, to image the tissue around the threads uh, and iterate very quickly on, on uh, doing things to them that will improve the overall biocompatibility. As a closing question, I thought we might go down the line starting with Dan. And what I'm wondering is, what is the number one thing on your wish list that you're really hoping that the Neuralink device will do over time that you're working towards? Uh, so my, my background is in visual neuroscience. And uh, one of the things I think has great potential for the Neuralink is to provide a visual prosthesis for people who have retinal injury or blindness through eye injury. You can essentially. Uh, plug a camera directly into the visual cortex and stimulate with an enormous array of thousands or maybe tens of thousands of electrodes to recreate a, a visual image. And in time, perhaps, you can use that same technology in people who haven't lost vision to produce some kind of heads-up display, um, something like uh, Terminator or something like that. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something it, like the Terminator. That, like, over time, we could actually give somebody supervision. Uh, like you could have like uh, ultraviolet or infrared, oh, there it is. Uh, or seeing radar. Like you basically, doc. name your frequency. Um, and you and you can just dynamically adjust the sensor or have sensors that feed into the visual cortex across a wide range of, of frequencies and ac and actually have uh, superhuman vision. There you go. Superhuman vision. Yeah. So for me, uh, telepathy. So I, I think it's um, oh, an incredible amount of effort to put your thoughts into a set of words, and you know it comes out completely compressed. So being able to do that seamlessly without 
being able to compress it with all of the mechanisms would be great. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's like just to, I'm sorry, to add further to that. Um, um, in fact, when I did the Wait But Why article, um, I, um, I think Tim thought I said consensual telepathy, um, but I said conceptual telepathy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would presume it would be consensual. Um, uh, because you definitely don't want just p people, you know, s sending stuff into your brain without your consent. But um, a, a lot of our uh, brain uh, thought capacity is go goes into uh, compressing our thoughts into words. Um, and then you think of like the, the, the data rate of words. Words are a very slow, very low data rate. And, and we're putting a tremendous amount of mental energy into compressing the concepts and thoughts in our head into words and then slowly talking. Speech is so very, very slow. And uh, we could actually send um, the, the true thoughts. That we could basically have far better communication because we can convey the actual concepts, the actual thoughts, uncompressed to somebody else. So non-linguistic, consensual, and conceptual <laughs> yes, telepathy. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Non-linguistic, non consensual, conceptual telepathy. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've actually been excited from the beginning sort of about the like side benefit of these devices. I sort of see them as uh, essentially like an oscilloscope to a uh, printed circuit board is our device to the brain, where just by virtue of having this in there and uh, being able to see what's actually going on, you'll end up learning a ton about how the brain works. Um, and so sort of augmenting people, but also just using that to learn a lot more about like neurological diseases is really exciting to me. Absolutely. So to, to sort of follow up on Elon's thought, um, you know, I feel, and I imagine a, a lot of other people feel the same way, that there's a lot of um, sort of trapped creativity in your mind. You know, you can, for example, you know, close your eyes and conjure up like an incredible like Dali-esque scene. But you know, if I wanted to actually show someone that, it would, yeah, it would take years of cra you know, honing a craft to be able to paint that. And so you know, potentially with enough electrodes in the right places, you could begin to sort of tap into those raw concepts or thought vectors and be able to um, decode that and, and show people. It could be for you know, art, you imagine music, or even for like engineering, like a three-dimensional model. And, like, so mental artistry is a new field. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to think about uh, ways to interface devices with biology better. And, and so one of the things I'm looking forward to is getting this thing to be less um, look like, less like technology and more like biology so, so that it really is uh, you know, uh, seamlessly interfaced with the brain, stable for a very long time. And then uh, similar to that, having stimulation be much more precise and multidimensional uh, such Sky's that creep. eventually the brain sort of doesn't really know if it's being stimulated from outside or inside and uh, <laughs> you end up just sort of completely merging. Ooh, completely merging. <laughs> yeah, you know, Following up on stimulation, you know, one of the things our device can do is simultaneously read and write on every channel, stimulate and record. And that's, uh, you know, both a more challenging problem than it may seem like at first, but also, you know, incredibly uh, exciting, at the sort of the vistas that it opens up. I mean, it's really kind of the whole game in terms of interfacing with the nervous system, and I'm, I'm very excited to, to use that. Yeah, I'm excited just because of the scalability of the device. We're doing everything in-house, and all of it can scale to more channels, more brain regions, et cetera. Um, I think, yeah, I'm really interested about solving things related to anxiety or depression or even, like, removing fear. Um, like, I'm an athlete, and to, like, rock climb without fear would be pretty Maybe cool. need a little bit of fear. Yeah, <laughs> just a little. And also, it'd be great if we could make the pigs fly, but I... <laughs> Good one. 
What's the next time? I think we have an incredible opportunity to limit human suffering to a tiny fraction of what it is today uh, in all kinds of different avenues. Pain uh, being the essence of suffering, we might be able to control that finally. Uh, and so many other diseases, so much other um, suffering in the world, I think the Neuralink device could help a lot with. Amazing. Um, I, I think all these things are, are great uh, functions for a neural, neural link. Um, I think on, on, a, on a species level basis, I think it's going to be important for us to figure out um, how we uh, coexist with advanced artificial intelligence. And um, you know, I think having, achieving some kind of AI symbiosis uh, where you have an AI extension of yourself, uh, like a tertiary layer above the limbic system and cortex, um, and uh, and having that, having that symbiosis be good, such that the future of the world is controlled by the uh, combined will of the people mm. of, of Earth. I think that that's obviously going to be the future <laughs> that we want, presumably, is if it's the sum of our collective will. Basically, and, a hive um, mind. And so I think it's it's going to be important from a, from an existential threat standpoint to achieve um, a, a good AI symbiosis, and that's uh, what I think is m m might be the, the most important thing that a device like this achieves. I have, in many ways, a very basic science interest, which is I'm really interested in, in the nature of consciousness. And that's, there's a lot of very silly philosophy that's been written about it over the last thousand years. Um, but I think that it's really we've been very limited by the tools and our ability to uh, Whoa, interrogate and, and measure the brain. And as these tools get better, um, it will pull it into the realm of physics. And it's really one of the last big, great mysteries in, in science. So for me, can Not you imagine a disease-free future? Um, a future where you know you know what's going to happen to you before it happens, so you can prevent it. Uh, with these devices, we'll be able to not just pick up electrical signals, but we can also pick up chemical clues uh, in the brain. And if if you're successful, which I know we are, uh, we'll be able to uh, kind of prevent ahead of time, you know, uh, um, diseases. Uh, and really, the functionality of these devices is widespread. Um, um, so I'm looking forward to the future. Like a minority report on yourself. I'm really excited about uh, the yeah. opportunity to help people overcome uh, challenges that they face through life circumstances, bad luck, through no fault of their own, spinal cord injury, brain disease, some devastating things that completely change your life. Hopefully we can uh, help them get some function back. I know and love many humans with uh, autism spectrum disorder, so I'm really interested to see how the Neuralink might be able to support them if they choose many to do that. Many humans. <laughs> I like many humans. Yeah, so I mean, everyone else along the line has had uh, you know amazing ideas and suggestions, and yeah, for me, it's it's about you know memories, and everyone loses those memories over time. You know. I, I already can't remember what happened to me when I was younger, and you know I will, it'll only get worse. And so, having a repository Might of memories that you can access whenever you want. <laughs> if you're feeling down, you can go access some good memories. You know, if you you miss something or you miss somebody, you can go and access those memories. And I, I think that would just be such a life-changing experience to be able to just tap into that. That was a, such a beautiful and diverse array of answers there. Yeah. All right, well, uh, thanks for tuning in. And um, as I said, uh, please consider working at uh, Neuralink and helping us uh, solve these problems. There's a tremendous amount of work to be done uh, to go from here to a device that is uh, 
available, widely available, uh, and affordable and reliable. Um, so uh, please consider joining us and supporting us in our mission. Uh, thank you very much. Woo! All right. Okay. Woo woo. We did it. Wonder if they're gonna have some sort of little outro. No. Nope. Just call it a I day. I think they just called it a day. They went. My Twitch is giving me an outro here. Is it? Some real bottleneck networking issues, but that's okay. Hopefully, it comes back. All right. So there we go, Gons. The long-awaited Neuralink uh, thing. No monkey. The monkey. Our our monkey. Uh, Name bet has come to nothing. All I remember is Gertrude the pig. You know, I think there was a Joyce. Yeah, there was a Joyce Gertrude. Uh, the only thing I can think of is this is like the three little pigs, and then like Elon's the wolf. You know, going in there. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting uh, comparison to make there because yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he literally had and three he kept, pigs. The way he kept having to repeat, "Our pigs are happy. Don't worry, they're <laughs> Look happy, how happy pigs. They are. Happy, happy, happy." Look how happy they are. Um, okay, I, so I wrote down some notes. I don't think we have to go too deep into it, but a nice little uh, afterburn here, a little uh, debrief. Yeah, a Did you uh, write anything down or had any specific things you wanted to mention? Uh, not really. I mean, it, it kind of is. It was a little slow yeah. in the middle, but nothing surprising, a yeah. uh, little underwhelming. The only cool, the, the only thing they showed really with the, actual piece in the pig's brain was you know that little musical type of uh demonstration of how the brain neurons are firing off and putting uh you know music to it like great fantastic right. i was hoping for a little yeah. more well, you know more a little more yeah but it, it's okay of course of course we all wanted the monkey yeah, wanted we the all monkey. wanted the monkey connecting to skynet um so yeah first of all the they really you know, I'm making f making light of the happy pig thing, but it was obvious that this was a very important part of the PR. And if you want to get a little bit more uh, malicious about it, you know, repeating, you know, there's comparisons to pigs to humans. Don't worry. The pigs are happy, happy, happy. Meaning, you know, you can be happy. Don't worry. Right. You'll be happy with the Neuralink thing. Um, the the pigs volunteering for experiments <laughs> yeah, was ridiculous. and consent was a little strange. That was, yeah. But, you know, when I, th I thought about it a little bit more at the time, as much, you know, as much uh, processing as I could do while simultaneously writing things down and listening. But uh, the huge thing about the, the happy pigs, the volunteering pigs for the pigs volunteering themselves for experiments, uh, you know, you've got some consent talk there. And, uh, you know, it really was an interesting connection how they now, of course, scientifically, I realize why they use pigs, but in sort of the, um, you know, the fringy deeper level of the way we think about things here, you know, it really does make sense to experiment with pigs, but also experiment on how to get the pigs to volunteer and yeah. consent, yeah. you know, that was kind of like what we've been going through with the mask mm -hmm. and the vaccine thing, you know, there, it's all about how do you get the population to volunteer? Right, right, right. How do you get the, the population's consent? And in the context that, you know, there, this obviously we're not going to hit this in the next five years or something where everybody is, uh, if not 
required by some sort of government, but maybe like socially kind of like a, a smartphone, you know, you're kind of like socially obligated to get a smartphone. Um, but also the economics of that work out, you know, there'll come a time where the economics and the social pressure, you know, may lead to getting your implant as we've seen on many, you know, fictional television shows and stuff. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. It, it seems like, and, and they had the an, animal behavioralist, right. you know, <clears throat> which ties into doing, doing the research. How do you, uh, convince pigs or humans or whatever to volunteer and consent, uh, a, to these experiments, which of course the first round of this coming out will be an experiment. Yeah. You know, the first round of public access is still in some sort of experimental phase when you start getting big numbers of people starting to participate in a technology you find bugs that you can never find in a study or in a lab or in a you know a laboratory experiment so you know the first round of human beings on a commercial level is an experiment and so uh the the behavior uh modification of these pigs really uh, sort of paralleled what will uh, be the case and i'm sure that woman you know she's a, a professional animal behavioral scientist uh, i'm sure she's got notebooks filled with how to convince the pigs right, to right. join the experiment well, yeah, she talked and that about will the, be you know yeah, yeah she talks about the behavioral that'll psychology. be the seminal material for uh the human version right right so that was very interesting uh before um, you, and of you, course they're trying to make little jokes throughout yeah, yeah. so before you don't you, catch uh, on to their evil plan before you go on uh go off the pig i don't know if you're gonna go off the pigs but to me it's kind of like uh i was i was expecting more of a of a two-way thing with the device because at this point it's basically the pigs right. you know did you ever have the feeling reading and writing watched for the pigs. I mean, it's just like a super <laughs> surveillance mechanism of the pig. And there was nothing right. where the pig can control something the opposite direction, or at least nothing, you know, because yeah, the pig volunteering the, to share their data live on the Internet. Yeah. yeah but like with the monkey, at least we what the at least with the monkey, we were promised a monkey moving a mouse on a screen or something where there's interaction. <laughs> you know, there's like a real time, uh, uh, you know, not just reading signals from the brain, but some kind of intention that's being used through the, through the, yeah. the interface. But this was more just, yeah, mm -hmm. like a, just, again, it's like a big electronic surveillance machine in your brain, uh, in the pig's brain anyway. Right. And, uh, yeah, I think what you brought up there is kind of the main key here. Just, <laughs> just replace the word pig with human, like throughout the whole thing. Right. And it's just, Oh, you look how happy and, you know, and well, how, even with the happy thing, like the you know humans are really easy to keep happy you just give them a nice <laughs> them food. Uh, nice pen and some friends and give them food and some toys and they're happy yeah, the, the way they spoke they about volunteer for any experiment yeah, the way he's really eerie yeah yeah really eerie to make that connection yeah the way the way that elon was talking um, about humans uh it, it, all of them not just elon but a lot of them just sitting there um yeah it, you know that i think that's a just a product of these scientists high-minded yeah high-minded and just yeah. the sciences when you start looking at the minutiae and breaking down the material structure of what we are you just start having this complex where we're just molecules in motion 
and just electrical signals like Elon said, oh, we're just, uh, all everything right. is just electrical signals and we're just, you know, tapping into it and uh, affecting it, blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah. it's, a, you know, it's a bad place to be, I think. Uh, yeah, the buffering is really bad on the live stream, but it's okay. We got, we're, yeah. we're wrapping it up pretty soon here, so. Yeah, um, I got some quotes here. <clears throat> yep. Oh, if I can get, we've got uh, robots are a man's best friend. <laughs> we'll have to clip yeah. that one. We, we've got uh, The Future's Gonna Be Weird yeah, by Elon there. That was a good one. We had that woman talking about how her job is designing the seal. Yeah, designing the seal. Yeah. And I, I'm sure she means sealing, you know, but of course. Yeah, of course. The seal between the, the device and the yeah. bone. But uh, yeah, stuck out to me. Um, they talk about uh, how words and language uh, is, is, you know, operates on a very slow data yeah, rate. Yeah, yeah was interesting you know on that and uh how uh, i was gonna say it reminded me of a really old david wilcock thing david wilcock was a new asia he was talking about how in 2012 a big galactic wave is gonna hit us and we're all gonna upgrade in an instant and he used to talk about how once we are upgraded uh that we we won't have to use our mouths to speak and he used to always tell the joke uh because mouths suck uh, that was his joke but yeah he would use it in one. the telepathic sense but yeah same thing here which is really interesting when you think about what this technology is trying to do with some of those uh more i don't know uh, i don't know not just not supernatural i guess somewhat supernatural in a sense like telepathy you're talking about a lot of new agey things but they're trying to hardwire you know it's like a hardware version of all that new age stuff and not that, you know, right. not that telepathy itself is just new age. I think there's something to the way our brains are created. And I think, you know, God communicating with us in certain ways, whatever, there's, there's stuff there that's, you know, not visible, uh, but it's just fascinating how we're at this point where they're trying to deconstruct us and, uh, and tap into all of that with uh, little, little wires in our brains. Right. Um, yeah. And with the, the words, uh, slow data rate thing came the, the hilarious term, non-linguistic consensual conceptual telepathy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, communicating thoughts, not words. Right. And I thought this was interesting because, uh, yeah, he was talking about the complexity of thoughts and then, uh, distilling them down into words being an issue with communication and how, uh, you know, you may be able to communicate direct thoughts to one another. And I started thinking about the implications of this as in, in the very shallow amounts of, uh, you know, pondering I could do during the event um, where, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily better. That's that's exactly um, what I was thinking. I, I was thinking that part yeah, of the like, human. That seems like it'd be a problem. Well, the part of the human, the beauty of humans and, and sort of the, if you look at artwork, if you look at, you know, the great things that humans can accomplish and stuff, it's, that is kind of the journey part of it. Like you have an idea and then it's part of the progress of making that happen. You know, if you're going to be sort of the, you know, the entrepreneurial yeah. spirit or whatever it is, or artist or whatever it is, you have an idea and it's, it's getting that idea to a tangible form that you can communicate the idea, which is sort of the process, right? That's, that's the process of, yeah. of the, the journey of doing something or creating something to just jack right. a, a chip in your brain and just bypass all of that. 
uh, I don't know if that's good because, and, and the other part of it, they kept saying like, oh, I want to eliminate anxiety and eliminate fear and eliminate all this stuff. And, you know, actually Elon yeah. had a little, he had a kind of a point there. Uh, I'll give him a, I don't know, a third of a cookie or something where the girl was like, oh, I can rock climb and I won't have any fear. And she was like, yeah. Yeah, maybe a little fear, you know, well, just because yeah. you, you lose well, objectivity, want... you know, yeah, with, uh, I got some any. notes about that part too, but to go back to the, uh, the the art the conceptual right right uh, the raw they mentioned raw concepts and trapped creativity and things like that yeah yeah and you know you talk to any art like any real artist whether it's a you know a professional artist or a famous artist or just an artist uh you know who does it for them them own selves uh you know, part of art is overcoming obstacles, right? You know, part of the creative process is overcoming the obstacles of, well, it's not quite coming out, you know, the way I'm envisioning it, or whether it's a material problem, you know, materials won't do what you want them to do, or, you know, these, these types of things. Yeah. Um, that that's part of an ancient and valuable artistic creative process. Right. You know, and what he's talking about here with trapped creativity, I can see how in, uh, in industries like engineering, he, he went into engineering and yeah. later said like, Oh yeah, you could export a 3d model of something straight from your brain. I think that's more valuable uh, necessarily sense, yeah. yeah when it's practical and you know you're just making something um which is its own creativity not to say that it's not creativity but when you talk about art which is like the expression of the subjective the the, the inner complexity of a human being uh then overcoming physical obstacles to create some you know artistic representation in the real world I mean, I feel like you would really lose some of what makes art art if it's just, oh, yeah, I imagined this thing and here it is. Look, I thought of it and <laughs> right. I got it on this screen. So here's my art. You know, it's it's, like, uh, it's the Futurama nobody's gonna episode. going to be impressed by that. It's the Futurama episode where, and I've talked about this on YouTube on, on the Face Like the Sun channel before, but there's an episode where uh, uh, Fry gets devil hands. And he like he the devil's like a robot in and uh, uh-huh. in, in Futurama and he has and he trades hands with him or something so he has these like robot hands and he's able to use this device it's like a a flute or something some kind I can't remember what it's called but you can yeah. play it and you can like create these like visual effects with it and he yeah. communicates to uh, ah, man I haven't watched it in a really long time but the gal uh, his emotions his feelings about her through this artistic expression and you know she kind of falls in love and all this kind of stuff but it's like yeah it's uh uh i can understand you know the when when he said trapped creativity people that have physical ailments that maybe they have some kind of right. great musical yeah. piece in their head but they can never get it out i always felt like that like i always had music playing in my head and i'm like oh man if i could if i can make this happen yeah. on a you know like a classic like a classical orchestra piece in my head yeah. i could lay it all out there man i'd be a genius you know but that's that's, and the, that's the whole thing is it that's, yeah the danger <laughs> of that is it takes away the meaning yeah, of yeah that yeah. art you know part of the 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 beautiful thing about art is like oh my gosh this painting or this song took me six months to create and i toiled over it and i you know really felt it's just another step in the already problematic uh philosophy of 
today's, you know, technology of make everything easier, everything easier. Yeah. If everything's easier, we'll be happier. If right. Easy, easy, easy. If it's easy, we're happy, happy, yeah. happy, easy. <laughs> yeah. And study after study, you know, shows that when things aren't easy or when things are easy, the reward that, you know, the cognitive reward is less. The the spiritual reward is, you know, well, maybe a overstepping it there but you know the it's just because something is easy doesn't make it better and right. in fact just the opposite research yeah. shows that when things are too easy it's less rewarding right, right right so you might be taking out i mean really some of human beings last bastions of finding you know uh some fulfillment you know things are already so easy that uh, people are mental health and depression and anxiety and things like that. And they're being stemmed from the technology that's just been making life easier. I think this is very dangerous and uh, just for the human soul, you know, make things well, even, easier and easier and easier. And we can just look at the advent of the internet and cell phones and stuff in general. All of it was supposed to make life easier. Has it made life easier? Right. No, it's just complicated no. <laughs> things like way more, you know? Yeah. So right. I, I don't. It's made tasks. Yeah, tasks task are easier. easier. Yeah, certain But tasks. life does not get easier. In right. fact, some might say life, if on a, at least on a uh, psychological level, is oh, yeah. more difficult oh, it's than probably a lot way of more periods complex. of time. Yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah. Like we see... Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we won't get into that, but yeah, we were seeing right. all the stuff Let's, happening in the world. All the, the psychological effects yeah. has been very different. Yeah. Yeah. And this includes, uh, you know, just to wrap it in here, the limit to human suffering and right. removing fear. Yeah. Like you said, these were kind of in the same conversation, obviously, you know, nothing wrong with, uh, killing pain for medical reasons. Um, but when he's talking about how, you know, with a push of a button, you could eliminate, suffering it's this i mean that is literally what brave new world is about yeah, i know <laughs> it didn't work out too well for those people no you know soma so but again that's separately separate from you know real medical suffering or uh things that actually you know need some sort of cure but to be able to push a button and erase all your suffering and uh, the i mean suffering is uh, is um, thought of as a good thing. A lot a of virtue in many religions. I mean, I'll yeah. just talk about, I mean, first of all, the Bible, you know, suffering in many cases is, uh, is a joy and, you know, all sorts of other language about around that as far as the long-term human experience is considered. Um, but, you know, it also shows up in Buddhism. It shows up. That's just, I think, ancient human wisdom i think we've decided <laughs> that suffering sucks and nobody likes it but in the end you know it it can uh, have some positive benefits um and then yeah removing the fear obviously problematic there um for a lot of different reasons then there was the talk about complete merging yeah that and, guy uh, the creepy this guy. was where we yeah yeah the kind of kind of the uh, yeah, I don't know if I would want to hang out with that guy, but uh, um, yeah, the complete merging, which really, you know, we reference the Mercer box uh, mm -hmm. every once in a while, specific, a lot of times in the context of AI and, and networking and things like that. But this really is the Mercer box, the empathy box uh, from mm -hmm. the book, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, how uh, connecting with 
sort of a a global consciousness or a global hive mind or something like that uh, through technology is supposed to better the human being, you know, and, and their concept of spirituality being, you know, how you think and how you feel and how you treat other people. Um, but that's what they're talking about with this complete merging with the hive mind and then moving on to taking that to the next level. Elon was talking about on a species level, coexisting with AI, going back to the symbiosis with AI, and then more specifically talking about having an AI layer, a part of us saying AI layer over the cortex, our cortical um, uh you know functions so he's not even saying like i mean he's saying a lot of things but in this specifically he was talking about merging the ai making it a part of our brain another level of our cognitive functioning and that you know we we think a lot about merging with ai in the context of like uploading consciousness and having the man become part of the machine um, and usually when we talk about the machine becoming part of the man, it's more uh, physical improvements. But to actually have a layer of AI operating above your cortex uh, is a, some next level Borg well, <laughs> it's, situation. Yeah. And along with that. I mean, that, the Borg is a hive mind. I, I know. The, how can we look <laughs> at the Borg and say, I, oh, remember the Borg? I want to be like that. <laughs> Those guys were great. Just get well, a little implant, hook into the hive mind, and boom, happy, 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 like a bunch of happy little pigs. Yeah, happy, happy. And the guy, the creepy guy, when he was talking about like, oh, just the merging so that we can't tell if it's being stimulated from within or from the outside, it reminded right. me of, uh, I made a blog post about this a very long time ago, and I, uh, uh-huh. uh, I, I think the blog post is gone. I think I made a video about it too, but- uh, a while ago, uh, they asked a bunch of transhumanists what uh, intimacy would look like in the future. And some of the, the responses that were written uh, from like Ray Kurzweil and stuff, it was like, what are you guys talking about? They were talking about how, oh, you know, you can pretend like you're someone else. You will have multiple bodies. You can pretend that you'll know what it's like to be the other opposite sex. And then one person was like, oh, it'll be this crazy thing where you can chain yourself with AI machines and other people. And it'll just be it'll be like USB drives being hooked up to one another. It'll be like chain linked into this uh, this big mm-hmm. uh, you know thing. And it was like, wow, you people are crazy. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? It's because, you know, now, it, you know, they look at it as just a, a strict uh, physical uh, experience right. and nothing more. And so, uh, yeah, you're going to, yeah, you're going to connect yourselves to each other through some kind of mechanism for the feelings and not so much really care about the, uh, any kind of other implications there, but that's what it reminded me of when he was like, Oh yes, yeah, a stimulation. You can't, yeah, you, so you can't tell if it's from inside or outside. It's like, Whoa, Whoa, dude, that's crazy. Yeah. That's some, that's some, uh, yeah. crazy stuff. Yeah. But, uh, and that even sort of harkens with, a lot of, uh, you know, it's really a search to gain control of the spiritual in a mm-hmm. way because, um, you know, there's other world religions that talk about that sort of thing as well. And e- even in Christianity, you know, there's some 
contemplative traditions and stuff that would uh, maybe speak in that kind of language. But the point being that uh, this, this, uh, this, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? This drive that they have again to make it easier and easier and easier and easier where, you know, uh, some sort of, I don't know, again, just referring to world religions, like a Buddhist might uh, meditate his entire life uh, to reach some sort of, you know, positive situation he's looking for. And these guys are talking about, well, we can just reach that in seconds with this little implant. And it really shows the the mindset behind um, trying to elevate the human experience that I mean, they're really talking about existential parts of being a human uh, changing dramatically. Right. Anyways, there you go. Earth, Earth ruled by all connected hive mind. Talked about that consciousness. That guy, I don't know. I was just making a comment about that guy talking about consciousness. Oh, I'm a scientist and consciousness is a mystery. And a lot of silly things have been written about consciousness for <laughs> thousands of years. Like, okay, buddy, you think you're pretty cool, don't you? Um, and then last thing I had written down here was telling the future. Mm-hmm. Again, making references to all these sort of supernatural uh, abilities like telekinesis. And then uh, he Seeing literally talked about yeah, telling the future, which wouldn't be that hard with the right signals. That's basically yeah. what Facebook algorithms are. Right, right. You right. know, so, yeah, just more connection to this. You know, it's like a, this all wrapped up in this new age spiritual uh, motivation. Which has always been the thing that's that's uh, the the obvious, you know, coming at it from our perspective, or at least my perspective, is that uh, why is all the tech leading to, or or at least trying to mimic all the new agey stuff? Yeah, you know, in interesting uh, how there's never a there's never reference how uh, getting this brain chip will bring you closer to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, well, the only time that ever happened was when uh, uh, Zoltan Istvan. Uh, mentioned it in, uh, in, a, in a tweet tweet, and he mentioned to mm-hmm. Mel from truth stream media, they went back and forth and she was, you know, he was t- saying something to the effect of like, well, why can't we just download the Holy spirit into your brain? <laughs> it was like, right. okay. All right. All right. Zoltan. Well, I don't know how you're doing on time guns, yeah, but uh, I'm pretty much I think out. the stream is buffering so bad we're yeah. we're losing losing steam uh with uh, viewership and stuff and I think we're just about uh, out of stuff to say. What do you think? I will summarize the entire presentation in two jingles. Are you ready to become cyber? There you go. There we go. We did it. We did it. All right, folks. I'm trying to think what uh, if there's anything else we need to cover. We, I do want to give a second shout out to our yeah. one and only producer, Brandon. Yes. I know yes, we kind of had to rush through that, Brandon, but thank you so much. Everybody in the chat thanks you. A very, very slow week uh, or I guess period between episodes uh, for producership, but Brandon, you're the sole producer of the <laughs> Neuralink live stream. So uh, there you go. Good for you, Brandon, and thank we, uh, you very much for your we'll, support. We'll uh, reference. We'll save some of the. We did get some artwork and uh, one kind of Jingles. music. Yeah, kind of music. Jingle. Yeah. Um, 
but we'll push that to the next episode. So we'll, you know, properly give them the uh, yep. appropriate time. So we will be back on a regular schedule on Monday. Yep. So keep that in mind, folks. Make sure to tune in back here on Monday. I believe that will be the th- 31st, uh, I think. Really? Friday, Saturday, yep. Sunday? Yeah, Last 31st. day of August. Yep. Last day of August. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so make sure to tune in then Monday. We'll be back to our uh, kind of regular schedule. So uh, get ready to tune in, you know, probably around one o'clock sometime between noon and three. We'll be going live. So turn on notifications. Make sure to come back here. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about on next episode. So thank you very much. And remember us because uh, we're going to need some producers for next episode. And you can uh, become a producer at patreon.com slash CCNT. You'll get a shout out on the show and you will be rebelling against the theology of the globe, the theology of advertising, the trap the false god of advertising. You will be helping us to continue doing the show and rejecting that uh, that bad system. And uh, we thank you very much for that. So remember, you can go to patreon.com slash CCNT. We'll throw the link in the chat there. But if you don't like Patreon, that's okay because we have canarycryradio.com slash support. Canary! CryRadio.com slash support. That's right. And over there at CanaryCryRadio.com slash support, you can support us uh, with PayPal. We've got monthly uh, subscription options as well as uh, one-time donations if uh, uh, commitment is not your thing. Uh, so make sure to do that. Thank you very much to our supporters. And there's cryptocurrency. You know, you can make some cryptocurrency donations there. Somebody sent us 88,257 Satoshis. Yeah. Which I think was like five bucks or something. Yeah, it was like um, 10, something like that. 10, yeah. So thank you very much for the anonymous person who did that. And remember, we'll be uh, thanking other producers. It's not just about finances, if that's not in the, in the cards for you. You can become a producer of the show by creating art or creating jingles, creating songs, music that we play on the Canary Cry mixtape at the end of the show. And uh, yeah, so there's all sorts of ways to get producer credit. And remember, we've only said this once, but hey, you can put that on your resume and uh, right. give, them our, give them our email. We will vouch for you. You can put podcast producer on your, uh, on your resume. I will personally... Uh, vouch for you on the email so there you go remember to do that please 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 if you haven't done it yet leave a rating and a review on itunes or whatever podcatcher you use it really helps out the ai algorithms the future telling uh robots to tell other people about the show (laughs) very helpful we have no control over that that's all you people um let's see uh 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 Sorry, I'm getting distracted looking at notes. I don't need to do that. Um, But if you have friends who are waking up, friends, family, people who are starting to pay attention, seeing that the world is not how it's been presented to them in the mainstream media, the Hollywood, places like that, a great way to help them along on that journey is to send them an episode of Canary Cry News Talk. So just grab an episode you like, send it to them, say, here, 
Take this. Let Basil and Gons guide you down the road of waking up. We will be more than happy to help them with that. Um, and that's a great way to spread the show and uh, just kind of good for the world, I think. I think it's just good for the world. So uh, make sure to do that. And if you need any more instructions, here's what you do. You walk right up to them, you grab them by the cage, and then you shake it. The end of the world occurred pretty much as we had predicted. I want to shake things up, stir up some controversy, rattle a few cages. <laughs> Don't ever silence me. I'm the last angry man, a crusader for the little guy. Leave the bird alone. Never. Cradle a few cages. Cradle a few cages. The human race will have every opportunity to improve. And if they don't? Ask Noah. That's right, folks. Just ask Noah. Well, there you go, folks. Remember, the next episode will be on Monday. Uh, August 31st, sometime between noon and 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Make sure that. Make sure to turn on notifications so you can catch the next episode. And we would appreciate it if we had some producers come in between now and then. Other than that, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening to this episode of Canary Cry News Talk. Make sure to tune in next time. But before then, think outside the cage. I want to rattle a few cages. I want to rattle a few cages. I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence I'm me. I'm the last angry man. Oh, 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 I I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence I'm me. I'm the last angry man. A crusader for the little guy. Little guy. Little guy. Well, we'll see about that. Whatever, Illuminati. In the future, humans will be confined in a people's zoo. People, I'll keep you safe and
warm and safe in my people's zoo.